straight from the man cave Kinnick under the kitchen. Authentic, original player artwork is being drawn up for Hawkeye fans everywhere. Locally made prints of stars wearing the black and gold from the past, present, and future. How about current Hawkeye superstars Cooper DeGene and Tori Taylor? Legends of the past like Jack Campbell, Spencer Lee, and Tim Dwight. Plus future phenoms like Aaron Graves. There are so many options available. They make great gifts and your purchase benefits the Hawkeye athletes wearing the black and gold. Visit Under the Kitchen on Facebook or at Under the Kitchen's new website. That's underthekitchen.square.site. Again, that's underthekitchen.square.site. Check out Under the Kitchen today and get your authentic, original Hawkeye print. Randy Engel, Under the Kitchen. Appreciate Randy being a part of this show as always. He has been with us for a long, long time. We appreciate Randy down in Mitchellville. I know our guy Tony called in was it yesterday after the women's game and uh, made a comment about how he's going to be down in Des Moines, maybe swing by uh, Randy's and get uh, get some prints, get some Hawkeye prints, support the Iowa Hawkeye athletes at large and uh, support a sponsor of this show. So you're uh, killing multiple birds with one stone, as they say. I'm Corey Brad, of course, from the Hawkeye of the Storm, here to talk with you over the next, uh, oh, at least the next hour. At least the next hour. I'm going to be with you uh, much of the week. We're going to be doing a lot of talking. Yes, I've dropped the tie. The tie is gone. So I'm ready to go. And um, if you missed my show earlier, I did a, a two-hour segment with Mark Rogers, the voice of college football. Actually, it wasn't with Mark. It was on his show. And um, we took calls and just talked Big Ten football, specifically the championship game. So if you want to swing on over to uh, his main channel, search Voice of College Football here on YouTube, and you can watch the first couple hours with me on that one. But uh, I got lots of thoughts, lots of things to say. I've got my uh, got my Be Kind mug here for all the Michigan fans out there. There it is, Be Kind Michigan fans. I was already getting some uh, flack earlier. I had, what did somebody call me earlier today on the show? Somebody said I was delusional. That was one. There was another one that they said, and I can't remember what it was. Oh, somebody called me Frankenstein. So that was a new one. I've never gotten called Frankenstein before. They said I was like Frankenstein. I was delusional. And uh, something about my hair. I think the person commented and said, the only thing... No, what was it? No, I got to go back and find it. it Of course, ripping on me. Some some personal shot. So... uh, just love it. Just love it all. But I'll continue to take sips from my Be Kind mug this evening. we got about 100 people, or about 90 people, I guess, uh, round up yet. Here uh, early on with us here, Hawkeye Hangout. In case you're new to the show, I haven't done one of these Hawkeye Hangouts for a while. Kind of saving these toward the end of the season because I thought, and I predicted this back in August, that we were going to be here talking about a Big Ten championship game. So I'm happy that we did save some of these live shows, really cram them in before the Big Ten title again. It's going to be fun. Uh, if you want to call into the show, there's a couple ways to do that. First of all, StreamYard is an easy way to do that. Click on the link in the description below. Um, it's also, I'll throw it up in the live chat. I have not done that yet. I'll do that right now. Uh, throw the link in the live chat for anybody that wants to call in via StreamYard. You can also call in by telephone, 515-635-1601. I will forewarn you that if you call in by the phone line, I'm probably going to put you on hold for a couple of minutes, maybe more than a couple of minutes, and you'll hear what I've what's, uh, people have said to me as elevator music. So if you don't like elevator music, then uh, jump on StreamYard. Easy way to, to do that. But um, uh, we'll talk about Iowa, Michigan for the next, again, at least hour. 
I've got a good friend of mine, Kyle Spence, is with us. Kyle, welcome to the show. Uh, this is a, a big week for you as well. You're a, an Iowa City native, and this is the second time, you well, third time, you've been able to see the Hawks in a Big Ten championship game. And it may be the last time for a while because the conference is shifting next year. And so I know a lot of Iowa fans are down on this whole situation with Michigan and, and of course, losing by 39 two years ago and the the, uh, the bloodbath that Iowa received at Ohio State a year ago. And then, of course, earlier this season against Penn State. Not a lot of optimism around Hawkeye Nation. But I just hope people are able to appreciate this week and celebrate this week because even though it's 10-2 and two against a West Division that it's probably the worst of our lives this year, um, it's still a championship game appearance, and they have a chance to shock a lot of people on Saturday night on national TV. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's certainly in modern sports, too. We talk about it in lots of other leagues about lots of teams being championship or bust. I think there's um, a lack of appreciation for moments like this where, you know, this was a team that has been decimated with injuries. They're not full of five-star talent. Um, a lot of the, a lot of the stars are homegrown and, you know, the fact that they were able to pick up the pieces from numerous terrible unexpected injuries on offense and, um, even the recent one with Cooper DeGene going down two weeks before the end of the season would have been very easy for uh, for the team mentally to to let go a little bit and lose one of those two games, especially with the division all but wrapped up. And, you know, I think what you said is really important. It's We can't take these moments for granted because there's no guarantee that programs like Iowa will be able to, to compete with programs like Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Washington, uh, USC in the future. And, um there's a good chance we'll look back on these these days a few years from now and want them back, you know, uh, despite this team being a team that a lot of people uh, maybe don't want to watch or uh, being a team that people underestimate or, or don't believe in. Um, so I, I'm, I know it's, it's a little bit bleak and I, I have a reason to believe that they'll go to Indianapolis and they, they probably will lose, but I, I don't think that takes away from the accomplishment of this season and the, the pride that we should have in the character of this team. What's ironic about the Big Ten expansion, and we'll have a whole offseason to talk about expansion, realignment, what the, the changes mean to the Big Ten Conference. We've gotten kind of a taste of what the TV format's going to be like this season, um, and that, of course, be expanded next year with the SEC being dropped by CBS. But I was going through some scenarios earlier today. Somebody asked me, it was actually a Michigan fan, and he was being honest. He asked me this afternoon on the other show, he said, Corey, what are the scenarios? What is the scenario for Iowa to get into the college football playoffs? So before people start ripping me, <laughs> acknowledge i am not the one who asked the question initially somebody else asked me the question and i want to address it because it's a fair question okay you may say i'm living in la la land it's never going to happen let me just go through let me run through the scenario kyle in which iowa makes the college football playoff is it likely no i'm going to make that is it is it possible yes it is possible okay so let me pull up the college football rankings here, um, and and bear in, bear in mind here, we're going to show the AP rankings and the coaches' rankings. The only reason I'm not sharing the college football playoff rankings, which are the ones that matter, is we don't have the latest polls because those come out tomorrow. But the reason why these are valid is because um, these are updated this week, and they're, they reflect the updated records of each team. So... Uh, let me share my screen here, and I can share show what uh, I'm talking about with everybody. 
and we can kind of just run through a quick scenario just so people are aware of why it, yes, it is possible that if Iowa were to shock the world this weekend, it is possible they could be in the college football playoff conversation come Sunday. All right, hear me out on this. Call me crazy if you want. So uh, Georgia, Michigan, Washington, Florida State, you've got four undefeateds right now at, at basically um, all playing. If they if they, those teams win, it's likely those are your four in. Is that fair, Kyle? Like those? Absolutely. That's basically where we're at right now. I know, and it's it's also highly unusual too. I mean, this having four undefeateds, I think, is is tough for Iowa because there's not normally four undefeateds at this point in the season. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely right, and that's why we need an expanded playoff. I think it's ridiculous that a team like Ohio State has one loss against Michigan on the road, and they're likely to miss out on the playoffs. I think that's stupid. Yeah. So. Uh, It'll be good to be able to, to get a, a breath of fresh air, even though I don't think the 12-team playoff is ideal next year. It is better to have an expanded playoff. But here, here's the scenario, Kyle, and you tell me if, if I'm going too fast here for people. But um, so, so first of all, we start with Georgia. They play Alabama, who, of course, has one loss. Uh, if you're an Iowa fan, you need Alabama to lose, okay? Um, Georgia's getting in probably no matter what, all right? And the only way Bama gets in is if they win. So I would rather Bama lose. Iowa needs Bama to lose. Ensure Georgia gets in. Bama's out of the conversation. 11-2, and non-conference champions. They are not getting into the playoff. Okay? Oregon. Oregon plays Washington. Oregon's 11-1. and Washington's undefeated. Washington is likely getting in no matter what. The only way that gets complicated is if Oregon beats Washington. Then you have a two-way tie. Then you have a... Uh, you have two teams potentially in from the Pac-12. They're not both being left out under that scenario. So, again, kind of like the SEC, you'd prefer Washington just win. You have Washington and Georgia firmly in at both at 13-0, right? Am I going doing okay so far, Kyle? Yeah. If Oregon uh, wins, they're going to be in. Absolutely. Texas needs to lose, right? So, Texas right now is 11 and 1. They play Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's not a contender. If Texas loses, Oklahoma State's not going to the playoff. Texas ain't going to the playoff. The Big 12 will be left out. Texas would be 11 and 2. They're done. Florida State then, they are 13 and or 12 and 0, excuse me. Are they in with a loss? I don't know. I don't necessarily think so. Not in that conference. They lose to Louisville. They're 12 and 1 non-champions. They may not be in. Maybe so those, those are the things that need to happen. Bama needs to lose. Oregon needs to lose. Texas needs to lose. Florida State needs to lose. Iowa needs to win, of course. And then I think the other big part of this is that we have to depend on the committee because of what happened at the end of the Minnesota game. We have to depend on the committee to look at that game differently than any other record, any other team. They have to be able to acknowledge. Uh, by the way, if you're on the phone line, hang tight. I've got you on hold. Uh, they have to be able to acknowledge that that game was essentially stolen from Iowa. Whether you agree with that or not, that's the argument for Iowa to be in the conversation for a playoff berth if they somehow beat Michigan on Saturday. Because then what you have is you have Georgia and Washington clearly both in at 13-0. and And you have two spots that would likely have to be filled by three teams, Kyle. Those three teams would be, one, Florida State. They'd be 12-1. They'd be and one non-champions uh two ohio state 11 and one non-champions non-participants in the big 10 championship game caller i'm putting you on hold hang tight and then iowa 
11 and two Big Ten champions. But if the committee looked at them as 12 and one, and they actually said, we don't believe that this team deserves to be 11 or uh, 11 and two, they actually are 12 and one in my mind, then they become a player for one of those two spots. Am I crazy, Kyle? Uh, mostly. Let, let me, I, I missed a team. Let me acknowledge Michigan would still be in the conversation. So Michigan, Michigan would, would be Michigan. Would they would, Michigan would then be 12 and one. Absolutely. So you've got two, basically you've got four teams competing for two spots at that point. That's the way I see it. And I, I think to be perfectly honest with you, I think the committee would like to see Florida state left out due to the Jordan Travis in, uh, injury. Uh, the fact that he's out for the season, I think Florida state's in a, in a position much like the committee would view Iowa where they're going to go into the playoff and be non-competitive, which is probably what both of those teams would do because they'd be up against the number one ranked Georgia team in the playoff. Um, so I think, I think Florida state loses their out no matter what. I think Ohio state gets in in front of them. I think a one loss Michigan gets in in front of them. Um, so I think Florida state would be out in that scenario. I think Ohio state definitely gets in, in that scenario. Um, in that probably in the three spot, to be honest. Okay, so I think the question, Kyle, is that then this is what Mark brought up to me last night. I was in a phone conversation with Mark Rogers last night. If if Ohio State gets in then eleven and one non champions, are they going to get in and Michigan's going to be left out right after Michigan beat Ohio State? What the committee may do in that situation is put in both Michigan and Ohio State, leave out Iowa and Florida State. That's probably what happens, to be honest. So, but 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 we can agree that if the committee were to look at things that way, Iowa would be half, they'd have to be in the conversation. They'd have to be. And can we just say as well, Michigan's resume outside of that Ohio state win is atrocious. Well, it's not as atrocious as Iowa's. <laughs> it's close. I mean, it's close. I mean, though, the only game that they have that Iowa doesn't have is that Penn state game. Everything else is pretty much the same in terms of <laughs> scheduling. Well, you're, you're right. Non-conference schedules week. Um, the bottom of the East is not very good. However, you, you know, you and I both know you can't say other than the Ohio State game. Like, that's a huge win. That's a huge right. win. Yeah. Iowa does but, not have. But in my mind, beating Michigan on a neutral site is better than beating Ohio State at home. I, I can, yeah, I can, sure. But the common opponent there then would be Penn State and this yes, drastic 31, 31 0 versus a win. I will say this Iowa. That Iowa State win is looking better and better. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Go Cyclones, because what <laughs> Iowa State has done now, seven and five, they're in a bowl game. They've recovered. Yeah. Going down to beat Kansas State. That seven and five road win at seven and five Iowa State, that's a good win. I I wish it was eight and four Iowa State without the loss to Ohio now. <laughs> as, as funny as that loss was in the moment, it actually does hurt Iowa at this moment. Uh, to an extent, I, I don't know how much though. I mean, seven and five is. I don't think people are looking back and say, "I would say at least the state team lost to Ohio." It also beat Oklahoma State. It also won at Kansas State. That was an impressive win, by the way. That was. I think that was one of Matt Campbell's best wins of his career. This the snowball. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and and, and Abu Sama looked really good on Saturday night. So Kansas State looked really good before that game. Like Kansas State was. Yeah. Kansas State was a football team that was on a roll before Iowa State played them. That was, I think, that was an impressive win. And obviously, Kansas State's coming off a Big Twelve championship year prior. So, uh, anyways, I just wanted to run through that. It was asked of me. It's it's similar to twenty twenty one in that it's very unlikely. But if all the pieces fall in place on championship Saturday, 
And that's a big if. Like, it's a big if. But, Kyle, would it shock you if Bama loses to Georgia? No. Would it shock you if Washington beats Oregon? I think Oregon's the favorite in that game considerably. So I th- but but I, it wouldn't shock me if Washington won, though. Okay. I think, obviously, Texas, Florida State, those are both going to be favorites. But I think Florida, sh- Florida State losing to Louisville would be a little bit of a shocker, but not impossible. And, and I, Oklahoma State's been so bipolar. I don't know what to think about them this year. They have some of the odd. They have one of the oddest resumes I've ever seen. <laughs> they they oh. could they could lose to Texas by thirty five, or they could win by seven. Yeah, yeah. Well, they lost to South Alabama by like thirty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you awesome. have no idea what you could get a you could get a Oklahoma State team that's losing to MAC teams or whatever, and you could get a Oklahoma State team that's a very good football team. You have no idea. And the rest of those teams, as you can see, from nine through towards Iowa, pretty much besides Louisville, are all sitting at home. Yeah, and again, the, Louisville's not in the playoff. At Eleven and two. They the difference between a ten and two Iowa team and a ten and two Louisville team is that Minnesota game. If the committee looks at it differently, that's that's. I want to make sure that's <laughs> emphasis on that. And it does hurt Iowa that there are so many teams with zero and one loss this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's no question about it. So, um, you know, teams that aren't playing, if you got two losses and you're not playing on championship Saturday, you're done. You're, done. you're out. No chance. No. All right. Um, let's go to our phone line. Uh, I just wanted to run through that. We can, we can take this conversation in a different direction if people want to. Thank you for calling Hawkeye hangout here from the Hawkeye of the storm. Who's on the line? C Hawkeye. Who is it? C Hawkeye. C Hawkeye. Yeah, Southeast Iowa. Hey, man, how are you? Yeah, Corey. I can't find no steaks in my freezer. That's the bad part. Wait a minute, is this Tom? Yep, this is Tom. No Tom, steaks I recognize- in my freezer. Tom, how did I recognize hey, your voice, Tom? Real, real quick, real quick question. Um, if you don't know, don't. I can't get my Streamyard mic and camera to work. Do you have any idea? What are you Start logging going in to on? Settings you, on StreamYard. Are you on it your phone? My, well, I'm on my phone right now calling you. Well, I know, but, but when I it tells me I have a browser problem, but when I go to my phone, it's the same thing. So you're on your computer trying to get on StreamYard. Well, or my phone it gives me the same problem. Well, if you go on your computer, what I would do is. It's probably because for some reason your browser reset and you have not given your browser permission to access your camera and mic. But why would that matter on my phone? Although, you know, I don't want to take up your time, but well, I, I would it guess it still it's should this. work on the phone. Well, I saw you on, I saw you a, a couple minutes ago. You jumped on the, the queue. Yeah. It does. Did you see me? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, try, try it again if you want, Tom, because I, I think you were on there. Well, you can just. But anyway, I just want to call tonight and gloat. Okay. I don't want to talk about the four Hawkeyes. Okay. Go, we uh, away. clinched the Big Ten a week before Michigan did. So you got to like it. We're just premier power. Yep. You know, got to like it. They're dogs. Enjoy the season. Yep. But you better watch. Amazing. Michigan better watch out. I know, because your Michigan trollers are going to be on. You know. <laughs> oh, they. They've been they've been following me along. They've been following me around. I've seen week. you earlier tonight. 
I didn't miss that out, you know. So yep. yeah, I seen you. And so no, it I I think uh I'm hoping we'll be surprised. I'm not saying it in necessarily a win, but I think hey, let's oh, beat the spread, right? Let's beat well, the spread. Well beating the spread would be a somewhat of an accomplishment, but but Tom uh, I don't think a win would make me surprised. I think a win would shock me. Right. Like, I, I, I mean, seriously, I don't mean to be Debbie Downer. Two years ago, I predicted that Iowa would beat Michigan, and they didn't. They got trounced. But, like, Kyle, can you – would you be shocked if Iowa wins? I would. I would be yeah. – it, it would be beyond shock. It would be surreal. Because I think of the three Big Ten championship teams, this is this is the darkest situation they've been in leading up to a championship game by far. I think about uh, when the Hawks, this is before your time, and I was very young, but we went to Ann Arbor and won 9-7 to seven when Hayden Fry was there. I remember as a young kid coming out, and my mom was waiting on me, sitting in a car listening to that ball game. And to win nine to seven at Michigan was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I mean, go back to 2016. I mean, it's not like I mean Iowa got trounced the week prior to that win against Michigan in 2016. Got killed at Penn State, and the next week came back and beat Michigan. Now, um, you know that was still I think a, a more especially with the injuries right now to Iowa's offense, probably a better equipped offense. Even though they didn't score a ton of points against Michigan. You had Akron Wadley in the backfield that was he was good in space. You had C.J. Beathard at quarterback. You had George Kittle at tight end. Um, you know they weren't great offensively, but Iowa. The, we've the, just been we've been decimated on the. They have been. They, they have been, and that, it's that's, it, it's a big frustration. It's unfortunate that this game's not being played. Not that Caden, Eric, All, and DeGene would have made this a different game totally. But I do think it would have been a different game to a large extent. I don't know if they beat them, but, I mean, man, I'd love to see Cade and Eric all, and specifically Cooper DeGene. I think Cooper DeGene is more important than any of those guys we just mentioned. And I never thought I'd say that about a yeah. DB, but his impact cannot be understated. Yeah. There was a, the co- Mark's guest after you got off earlier tonight. Yes. He made the comment, I, I haven't run the numbers, and I don't doubt him. But no West team averaged over 25 points a year, a game this year. Oh, yeah, no no West team and only three or – no, four Big Ten teams did. It was Maryland, Penn yeah. State, Ohio State, Michigan. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, you, so. know, you, you never know. They won't have the advantage of a home crowd. My guess is they'll have more Michigan fans there than, than Iowa fans. But look, Well, I mean, the thing I like to – like. You know, by getting to this game, how you know if it turns out ugly, we can find out how good our defense is. Does that make sense? Well, you're going to find out yeah. how good a, a Cooper the Geneless defense is, yeah. and that's the, right. the frustrating thing is because we won't know if there's a vulnerability with this defense right now. It's with the DBs, I think, um, and that's that's what well, got us in trouble against Nebraska, don't you think? Absolutely, and and you know yeah. Don Patterson was very critical of the one explosive play and, and how Iowa defended that play it was third and long and Iowa showed blitz and ended up paying for it. And Phil normally doesn't fall into that trap, but I think that's what we're going to see on Saturday. If Iowa, I think Phil Parker is going to correct those. Like Phil, I guarantee you Phil was upset 
after the game looking back at that play. Um, so the good news is I don't think those that mistake will be duplicated. And I go back to what happened against Western Michigan earlier this year. Remember Tom Iowa gave up several big plays against the Broncos. And yep. you're thinking, well, that's not a good sign. And I, I remember saying, I, I love it because they're going, they're, they're on the road at Penn state next week. I bet you they don't give a bunch of, uh, you know, big plays. Go back and look at it. They didn't give a b- bunch of big plays to Penn state. Now they got nickel and dime to death, no. but the, right. the, offense, the Iowa offense couldn't stay in the field. Defense is on the field, 97 right. different plays. The point yep. is they did not give up big plays. They corrected that, and I think that will happen um, this weekend. I doubt Iowa gives up a ton of big plays to uh, to Michigan, even though they're down Cooper. So so the non-Michigan fans are trying to figure out a way that Iowa wins. Well, if you give two pick sixes to Iowa like they did TCU, we're in the hunt, aren't we? Oh, sure. Sure. I don't I – don't, yeah. I mean, J.J. McCarthy looked really good last week. I think that's the scary yeah. part of this. He, he was just on. And if he's just yeah. on moving forward, like against Iowa, it's going to be like, I thought Cade McNamara was really good two years ago against Iowa, and he had a bunch of weapons around him. Um, J.J. McCarthy is a better weapon. I think that's fair to say at this point. He's more mobile than Cade was at Michigan. And if he's playing the way he was on Saturday, on, uh, Saturday against Ohio State, uh, Iowa's going to have problems. Well, Corey, I was just checking in. I'll try to work on my stream yard. And, well, tr- and, try it again, Tom. Uh, you You'll get it figured out. Yeah, i got to figure it out. I might have to find somebody younger than me. Well, so do what you got to do. Go sir. Hawks. Go Hawks, Tom. Thanks for the call. Um, okay. Uh, Kyle's talking about apparently uh, you were – I muted for the entirety of the Mark Rogers show because you were bringing up valid points. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not at a moderator over there. I don't want to be a moderator over there. That's all Mark's baby. So, uh, you know, reach out to Mark, Mark Rogers, TV at gmail.com. Uh, Darrell MVP says, good luck to Iowa. Don't see this being close though. Don't see this being close. Well, you're not alone. Darrell MVP and T Hank did the big 10 approve your credentials. I've not heard anything back from the Big Ten, and today I believe was the last day to officially submit credentials, apply for credentials. I did it last week, but I've not heard anything. I would have to think the Big Ten will be getting answers out to media members by tomorrow, and so I'll be happy to report back when they deny me um, because I anticipate that will be the case. We'll find out, but uh, tell you what, uh, Kyle, if they accept me, if they accept my uh, credential, application then i got some planning to do short <laughs> i got some last minute planning to do you do yeah hey if you if you get your credentials i might have to get a ticket too there you go how far is uh indianapolis from from all of it about two, two and a half two two and a half hours it's not bad at all man if i was where you are right now i'd be there yeah what do you it's, to me it's not a distance issue it's a it's a money issue oh, <laughs> I understand. Tickets actually are not terrible. Now, I don't know what nosebleeds of Lucas Oil Stadium are really like. I've never been inside Lucas Oil Stadium, um, but I did see tickets on, I think it was Vivid Seats, 75 bucks plus taxes and fees. Yeah. Che- cheapest you're going to get in there is 100 bucks after all the stuff. Right, which isn't bad. But but again, I don't know what the prices of, I, I don't know what the quality of nosebleeds at Lucas Oil are like. 
Yeah. I mean, it's I, just, it's it, if, if it's a reasonable price, it's one thing. I also don't want to spend 200 bucks on tickets to go watch my team get curb stomped because <laughs> there's a chance that could happen. Yeah. Indianapolis is a cool sports city, really strong basketball city, of course. And so it's it kind is. of from that perspective. I know there's a lot of Hawkeye support in the area. Um, and uh, people like Frank Henderson, I know uh, he's still in Indy and um, would love to be able to, to meet him in person, but, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's an event. You know, it's one of those things where I wish I wish that uh, it'd be primarily Hawkeye fans out there. But um, this is likely going to be one of those situations where Iowa either competes and plays Michigan close, or it's over by halftime. Um, you know, maybe Iowa does what they did against Penn State earlier this year against Michigan two years ago, where they kind of hang around by halftime, but eventually the dam breaks. But I just think either Brian Ferentz has a plan. Brian and Kirk have has a have a plan heading into this game where they're they're being innovative and creative and throwing different things at Michigan that they've not shown on tape ever or in years, or they just don't. They just do what they kind of the way I've looked at the, the Wisconsin game in past matchups. Usually Iowa goes into the Wisconsin game and they've had success two of the last three years they've won. But what do they typically do against against Wisconsin year after year, Kyle? when they go up there offensively. Do they pull out something when they go to Wisconsin usually? They take the, the, imagine this being a brick wall and they go like this. Boom, 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 <laughs> over and over again. That's what they do over and over again at Wisconsin. Now, the good news is Wisconsin has not had the run game and has not had quite the defense like we've been used to in recent time. They have not had a Jonathan Taylor since Jonathan Taylor. Um, Braylon Allen's been good at times. And then, you know, he's been dinged up. He got dinged up in the game earlier this year in Madison. So I was been able to steal a couple from them, but there are certain games where you're not going to be able to go up there and play our brand of football and win games. And I don't know that you can go to out to Indy in indoor stadium and play our brand of football against that talent level and win. Now, is it important to control the field? Absolutely. Field position is going to be huge. Um, I think playing indoors should help the kicking game. Drew Stevens struggled this past week. I've been told he's dealing with a groin injury right now. They expect him to be back, hope that he'll be back. But Torrey Taylor didn't have a great day on, on Friday either. His average was, I think, 42 yards per punt. Being back indoors, warmer environment, warmer climate should help him as well. So if mm-hmm. Iowa can, you know, it could come down to this, Kyle. If Iowa takes the ball first, which I think they should. I said that in 2021, then they kicked off. Yeah, take the ball first. If you can get one or two first downs, I sound like Kirk Ferentz now, get one or two first downs and punt. I mean, I'd love to go down the field and score, right? But if you can get one or two first downs and punt, then you can start winning the field position battle. And we'll see. We'll see if this defense can pin Michigan back, again, without Cooper DeGene and with a very talented group of skill position players up front for Michigan. Um you know, an early safety or just, again, really short field. You pin them back there and keep them back there. I think about 2021 against Iowa State, that whole game, it was just all Iowa winning field position all day. And they've done that so much. That's kind of the uh, the methodology, if you will, for Iowa to get wins. But I do think they're going to have to throw something, whether it be an exotic on offense, maybe a couple exotics and special teams, something that we have not seen in a while, or, or I doubt that the, strictly playing the field position game is going to get it done. Yeah, absolutely. Michigan is Michigan is Iowa if Iowa was a national title contender. That's I mean, that's what a lot of what Michigan does is. And the thing that I mean, there's two things to me that really 
scare me about this matchup is number one, um, I think the key to a lot of these big games with Iowa has been uh, rattling quarterbacks like JT Barrett had an absolute meltdown when he came to Iowa City. Brock Purdy had a meltdown when I was went to, to Iowa State. Um, what was the name of the Michigan quarterback whenever uh, they won in 2016? I can picture him. Uh, Spate. Spate yeah. was uh, Wilton Spate was the quarterback and he had a horrible game. And I think you go back and you look at those, the big upset wins and Iowa has rattled quarterbacks or knocked them out of the game altogether. Um, and I, one thing that scares me about Michigan's offense is I feel like even if Iowa does that to JJ McCarthy, the front five for Michigan is so dominant that if I, I almost feel like if they ran it every play of the game or ran it 80% of the time, they could still win the game because they're, uh, their offensive line is so good and so big that I feel like they could, I mean, they, like, like you said about Penn state, they could nickel and dime Iowa to death. All right, let's go back to our, our call line. We've got James, we've got uh, Erica. Our phone line is open 515-635-1601. Got about 200 people on. And uh, before we get to James, just a reminder, please share the show out on social media. I don't know if you use a, TikTok or Twitter or Instagram, whatever you use, just share it on social media, share the stream out, maybe uh, put a hashtag Hawkeyes tag some friends in there and uh, get more and more people on the show, uh, at least for the next half hour as we continue to talk all things Hawkeyes and Wolverines. Let's go to our next caller. It's James, who's been on hold. James, welcome back. First off, do you guys remember the last time Iowa was uh, 20 point underdogs against Michigan? Well, uh, no, but I saw it in the chat. It was uh, 2016. Yeah. 2016. I did not say not saying it's the same thing, but I'm saying like that was. This is a better Michigan. Yeah, yeah, I know, but I'm I'm just saying in general. But okay, we also don't have uh, Kinnick Stadium on our side. I wish we did, but unfortunately, that's not. Oh, did you did you hear what Mason Richmond said about two years ago? No, he said that he feels like there was more Michigan fans than there was Iowa fans there two years ago. Oh yes, yeah, it was. Didn't he say something like it was 80 20 Michigan or something or 75 percent? Uh, Mason Richmond. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he said they were, they were expecting more Iowa fans than there were, is what he said. Probably not going to get them this year either, James. No, I know. I'm he just saying, you know, for how we say they travel, obviously they must not have traveled that well in that game, but Michigan probably buys them earlier knowing they're probably going to get there. Michigan fans probably buy them earlier knowing there's more of a chance for them to get there. Not saying we can't, but like, you know what I mean? Like, Michigan and Ohio State are always usually battling for that spot. So I think maybe their fans probably bought them earlier, if that makes sense, and that's probably why they – Iowa did clinch a week early, though. Yeah. Iowa so had a full extra week, and Michigan has to wait until the very end of the season against Ohio State to find out if they're going to go. And they did not have that extra week in 21 because, remember, they had to rely on Wisconsin losing to Minnesota. Yeah, they had to wait until like, the very end. But yeah. one question, Grant, I know this is not an Iowa-related question. What do you think about Stoops? A and M thing and then not A and M thing. <laughs> uh, well, you saw what I tweeted out, didn't you? Yeah. I don't know who's throwing out these reports, but I just think it's hilarious. Kyle, you saw my tweet, right? What uh, remind me? I, I think I did, but rem- just I, I just think it's hilarious when these national news people tweet out stuff like it's fact, uh, like whatever the tweet was, and and you know the platform that tweeted. It was two four seven. It was two four seven. They said he was going to. Uh, but um, yeah, the, the original the original tweet, um, well, and I took a screenshot of it. So because I I thought that might happen, that's why I took a screenshot of it. I'm I'm so glad I did. 
But the original tweet was, and I quote, uh, breaking news, Texas A&M is set to hire Kentucky head coach Mark Stoops as its new head coach. Stoops has compiled a 73-64 and 64 record as Kentucky's head coach and is the winningest coach in program history. No attribution anywhere in that tweet. This is supposed to be a credible sports website, national college football website, with not a single source or even attribution to a source, an anonymous source, nothing. And then what happens? Well, a few hours later, it gets debunked, and you go back to look at the post. Cannot retrieve post at this time. Please try again later. Well, actually, I heard – I don't know if this is just rumors. Obviously, rumors are rumors. But I know there was a lot of Texas Indian fans that were mad about hearing the potential for the hiring. And people are thinking that that's the reason they kind of were like, yeah, no, maybe not. But I don't think they would do that. But, like, I know a lot of fans were mad and didn't want him to hire anyways. I heard it was – he didn't want to – like, he was going to leave – he didn't know if he wanted to leave Kentucky at the time. He just told them like, – he took the interview and then was like – they told him they were interested, but he said he didn't know if he wanted to leave at the time, and then he told them no. But, again, my whole point in this is reporting. Yeah. Stop just throwing crap out there and hoping it sticks. But this – we, you know, these reporters and media people, they can just they can just get away with it. They can just throw out stuff all the time, hope that it sticks, and eventually it does, and then everybody's retweeting, retweeting, re- retweeting. It's just bad journalism is all it is. If uh, 247 announces something like that normally, do they attach a source to it or is that typical? I'm not sure. I just seen it on tweet. Frankly, I think that's a very typical tweet. Yeah. Unfortunately. If if you see something on ESPN, it doesn't say per ESPN. It says per Woj or someone, you know, the reporter that's on the ground that's reporting. It's not per the organization. It's per Adrian Wojnarowski. It's not like I'm tied to all these insiders, but when I do have a – source or something i i never don't attribute something to a source even if i just attribute it to per a source like you you're just setting yourself up to look bad but when you can just delete a tweet you don't have to publish a retraction or you can just delete a tweet that's the era we're in yeah yeah it's unfortunate uh i i feel like it's gonna be an interesting game for sure and obviously to me, I just want not to be as embarrassing as it was last time, if that makes sense. So like, if we if we don't win, I just don't want it to be embarrassed. Like, last time in 2020, I felt embarrassed, if that makes sense. So like, I just don't want to feel like that. I want to feel like we at least fought. If we fight and lose, then we fight and lose. You know, we gave our best all. I just don't want to feel like we just got ran out the building. And it's like, why even be there at that point? Yeah, yeah, I, I understand completely. Um you know, one more Big Ten question I have. What do you think about Indiana firing Tom Allen? I know you might have said it on Mark Rogers' thing, but I didn't do it until later. Oh, I mean, I, I don't know why it wouldn't have happened. I, I think it was probably overdue, and he's certainly not a coach that Iowa should have on its horizon. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I don't – I'm not saying that. I was just saying I didn't know what you thought because it's a Big Ten school, so, you know, somebody yeah. who – Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, I think Tom Allen's probably a really nice guy, a really good guy, but – um, you know, he's had more than his chance to fix that thing, and they haven't been good since 2020. So, I mean, three full years of the team not being good and not being bowl eligible will do it. And you could argue in this day and age that he maybe should have been fired a year ago. Yeah, to answer, I kind of thought after last year there was a chance, but then they kept him, and then I didn't know why. And then, you know, a lot with the quarterback transfer portal and all that stuff sometimes, too. It's like you have to see maybe you can get a guy and it clicks, you know, so maybe – 
that might have been their thinking too as Indiana's like, okay, maybe he can get a guy and it clicks, you know, and then it might be a little different. But they also were in the tougher half with like Ohio State, Michigan. So yeah. like Penn State. Yeah, they have, yeah, they have, they have three games a year that are almost automatic losses. Yeah, so that's never a really a, that's not an advantage for them. Hey, uh, James. Yeah. Do we want to segue real quick to a just a quick aside on the offensive the search for an offensive coordinator? What? Well, first of all, we talked to Tom Kakert, right? And he said on this very show, I think it was on this show, that, uh, and I didn't know this until Tom brought it up, but apparently Iowa has made contact with Andy Ludwig, so he's on the radar at Utah. How about this name? Who got fired in the NFL today? Anybody catch that? Frank Reich. Uh, Frank Reich. Mm-hmm. Do we know yeah. anything about Frank Reich? Do you know anything about Frank Reich, James? I just know he coached for the Eagles. I don't know about former that. former quarterback played at Maryland. Yeah. All right, got a lot of experience as an offensive coordinator. He was OC back in San Diego. He's been like you said, Philly won a Super Bowl there in Philly as an OC. Um, you know, was not a very good head coach uh, at Carolina. He's only there one year, and I don't know. I mean, I don't know any connections directly to Iowa, but again, a guy. Just anybody That's right now only... who's fresh on the market who understands yeah. the passing game, understands yeah. quarterback play. Well, does Ludwig have connections with Iowa at all? Does who? Andy Ludwig. I, I think there's a connection, and I was actually talking – who was I talking with last night? It might have been Mark. Um, I don't know what the connection is. I'd have to look further into that. because well, like, I, I feel like that's where Kirk's going to go. You know, that's how Kirk's always been kind of his career in a way. It's like – people he has connections with or people he right. gets along with, you know? So like, I feel like obviously maybe not for us, that makes the most sense, but for him, that's going to make the most sense. Cause that's what he's always done in his career. If that makes sense. So like, but I think, but I do think real quick, I do think um, James, you know, everybody wants a young gun, you know, Frank Wright is 61 older. years. Yeah. So, you know, he's, he's not a, th- he's not a threat to anybody as far as replacing. I mean, I don't think anybody at this point with Brian gone, nobody's going to be a, th- a threat to Kirk. Um, but like, I don't know if Frank Reich, I don't believe he's got experience uh, as a coach. He has not coached in uh, college football. So that would not be a head coach. No, know how to recruit. Um, you know, again, I brought up the idea of whoever you bring in, could you bring in somebody who is kind of like a passing game coordinator slash QBs coach and elevate a guy like Liddell Betts is Liddell ready to coordinate the run game. I think he's done a pretty good job with the running backs, but could you operate under, my only question is, how many teams that do that? Because I know there is some teams in the country that do passing game, running game coordinators. But how many teams do that are actually successful? Uh, well, uh, North, North Dakota State does it. They've done it. Yeah, for but a long I mean, time. like, I just don't know how, like, what the success rate would be. I have no idea. Of that, too, you know, and especially with, like, I know some people say Kirk oversees. He's not. Let me just say this. Kirk is not in that headset calling plays from time. No, I, I get that too, but like, I feel, you know, so you don't feel like he'd be like, okay, I want to run here. or Okay. I want to pass here. You don't feel like in, some, be like in some situations. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like in big situations, critical downs, I'm sure Kirk is to some extent dictating and that's pretty normal, but on a play to play basis, I think. The yeah. Challenge, I mean, I agree with you on that. I've, I've had this conversation with Don Patterson before the challenge, when you start talking about, okay, we're going to have a run game coordinator. We're going to have a passing game coordinator. The challenges become who who makes the ultimate call yeah. from play would to that, play. Would, would that be maybe where Kirk would make the ultimate call in retrospect of like, okay. If you have a guy, well, I was going to say, if you have a guy like Frank Reich, uh, who has been an offensive coordinator and has called run plays and has called pass plays, 
you could still make him the ultimate authority, but Liddell is still in charge of the run game. And if Frank Reich is in a position where he's calling either run or pass, then Liddell is able to decide what run play we're right. running on second yeah. and four. Do you, you feel comfortable? Man, right? Yeah. Do you feel comfortable to Liddell Betts if he got promoted to that run game coordinator? I, I mean, I wouldn't know. I'm not there every day with him. I've been impressed with what he's done on the recruiting trail for Iowa. He obviously under, I mean, he played in the NFL, was a really good running back here. Doesn't always mean he's going to be a good coach, but I've been impressed with what he's done, what people have said about him. I just don't know whether he's ready to take that step, but I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I don't think he, you look at him, he's been running backs coach here since what, like 2018, for, 19? Yeah, for a while. Yeah, 1918 sounds about right. I mean, he's been, he's been in that position long enough to where I could, would it shock any of us if he got elevated to running backs coach? Like it'd be like, okay, that's the next step for him. Coordinate no. the run game. I'd be happy for him too. Cause you know, somebody that obviously, you know, played at Iowa has done a lot and has worked for it. And you see what he kind of has done in the last couple of years since he's been there, like Tyler Goodson and guys now on the team, like Caleb Johnson on them too, like what he's kind of done to bring in, in that running back room. He's done a lot to bring a lot of good names in that running back room in the past, whatever he's been six, seven years, you know, and I think, some like that. You once you start doing it consistently, where like you're bringing in consistent running backs like that, and I mean, I know Tyler's having his chance in the NFL again with the Colts. So like, but that is kind of cool to see that too, where it's like you're producing NFL talent. And you know that they're can uh, develop the way you need them to as well at that position. So just real quick, just to recap, a couple names we've we've talked about in the past. Former Penn State offensive coordinator um, Moorhead. Guy, what's the guy's first name? Joe. Uh, Joe Moorhead. Thank you. Joe Moorhead would, you know, he's a guy that's been brought up, guy who's got some NFL experience. Obviously, he's coached offenses. You know, I don't know much about Frank Reich. I know he's on the market and he's probably looking for a job somewhere because he's not going to retire at 61, I don't think. So, wouldn't you at least throw that in there? So I think you have to at least maybe just always contact him and be like, hey, are you interested? And he might say yep. he wants to stay in the NFL, which I think would probably be what he probably would say. I mean, if they contact, I will at least try. Yeah, yeah, he's just like Ryan Grubb. Like, what's yeah. who cares? Recall him. You have to at least try. You can't, you can't not try and then be like, oh well. Let's okay. Let's just say Bud Meyer gets it right, and then you didn't even try with him, and he would have wanted it. Well, who, that, that would be a real shame. That you know what I mean? Like that's what I'm saying. Like it'd be a real shame. Like if you just give it to Bummer and you don't even like. I'm not saying Bummer's gonna get it, but I'm like saying if you did, and then like you could have had somebody else who would wanted the job if you offered it to him. And you didn't even talk to him at all. That would make I think us as fans mad. Well, as well. Do we need to remind you what happened in 2021? Yeah, we and we know we what know. happened in 2021. James? They were trying. They were going to do from North Dakota State, and they just gave the. Uh, the they, didn't they hire Bummer instead? Or? Well, they didn't hire Bummer. They put him as like the whatever the guy who came. Brian Ferentz is the QB coach. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. a year behind. But he, he wanted to be the OC, didn't he? Though, or did he just want to be the QB coach? No, he wanted to be passing game coordinator. Yeah, in twenty after the twenty twenty after twenty twenty. Uh, no, I'm sorry. Let me get this straight. After twenty twenty one, when he lost the McIntyre game. Yeah. game, that was the last game that Ken O'Keefe coached as QB's coach. They were looking yeah. for a quarterback coach. And I'm just going to recap this for everybody. Randy Hedberg in North Dakota State. Verbally contacted Iowa. Okay. Um, and he was told without an interview, without any re- reciprocated interest, Brian is going to be elevated to quarterbacks coach. So what you just said, you'd hate to see play out James. Play I, mean, I, hate out. To see, I hate to see it play out. I hate to see it play out then in general too, of like 
of like to me it's always like you have to do the process it's like hiring a coach and you're just like okay the next guy's up right like if you were at texas a&m right and let's just say oh we fired jimbo but we're just gonna hire the offensive coordinator right but you don't even try to go get somebody else right then I feel like in that perspective, or not even try to go get some We don't even contact somebody else. I feel like in that retrospect, it's like, bro, you're not well, even trying. Yeah, it's exactly. Now the the tables have. You could argue that the situation has changed enough because Brian isn't a part of the situation. Like that was definitely had an impact, right, yeah. on how Iowa operated, how Kirk operated. Would he have done the same thing if it was just another tight ends coach slash OC, exactly. not named Brian? If yeah. it was just any old coach, does he just get sure. that? He might not have any consideration. Do you think Randy Hedberg at all would be interested again as a job or not? Oh, I, I was what job? The, well, I mean, Brian's getting fired, so quarterback's coach is there. Well, I know, but you're talking about him being an OC, or you're talking about him coordinating? Well, I don't know. Whatever, whatever he wa- let's just say whatever he wanted to be, right? If he wanted to be OC, quarterback's coach, or just quarterback's coach. Like, if it was – Whatever okay. he wanted to be, if he contacted him again and said, "Hey, I want to be that position," well, keep, keep, keep in mind. I just want—I know you know this, James, but I just want to clarify for everybody. After twenty twenty one was over, Brian Ferentz was still the OC, so Randy Hedberg would have—he was interested in the quarterback coaching. Job. Yeah, it would have been quarterback coach. So if he if he calls him and says, "I want to be quarterback coach," what would be your thoughts on that? Well, but they need an OC. They can only have so many people on staff. So somebody has to coordinate the offense. So I guess, yeah, you're right. You're you're, right. Ideally, you're going to hire a quarterback's coach who's also your OC. But what I'm saying is a guy like Frank Reich, potentially, I don't know. Because he, he played quarterback, so he could be your quarterback coach and then your OC as well. Or or he's your quarterback's coach and passing game coordinator. Yep, and then and you yep. promote right. Liddell to run game coordinator slash running backs coach. Yeah, but I feel like obviously – so maybe that would work with Randy Hedberg too. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, you could do the same thing pretty much with Randy Hedberg. If you want to make him the passing game coordinator, make Liddell the running back coordinator, and then just make Kirk the ultimate sayer of like whether he wants to run or pass. And then they choose like a pass play or a run play. Well, I, I, let me say that I, I, I don't want that. And I'll tell you why no. Kirk has never called plays James. So I mean, true, but I, you think he's been coaching long enough where he, you know, a pass play in a certain situation, yeah, a run play in a certain situation. That would change. Uh, from play to play, he's not going to be making calls under the headset. So I'm saying True. there has to be somebody who's ultimately making the decision. Is this a run or a pass? He's, uh, the coach will dictate, yeah. is going to dictate to the assistant, hey, let's run the ball here or let's go for it here or let's pass here. But what I'm saying is somebody, either the passing game coordinator or the run coordinator, has to have the ultimate. Yeah. See, for me, if it's not public. For me, then something like that, that's where I think he would go more of like a guy like that. And I'm not saying this name, obviously, this name you've been brought up is like a Paul Chris, like somebody like that, where it's like he knows he can trust them to run the offense and he knows he can trust them in certain, like what to do in what situation, if that makes sense. He doesn't have to take as much of a, of a like lead, like, oh, it's third and four. Paul Chris knows what to do in this situation. You know what I mean? Like that, where it's like it's not as much stress on him either because he doesn't have to worry about as much. He knows Paul knows those situations and what to do. In those Two situations. things you want you don't want Kirk Ferentz calling tons of plays from the sideline, right? Yeah. You want somebody that's I personally I want OC up in the yeah up in the press box. Um, and number two, you want Kirk Ferentz as focused on game management as possible. Yeah. And, and that's why I think Paul Chris would be a good option in that retrospect of like he understands like not Paul Chris but somebody like that who's been around who understands understand certain situations at certain times and it doesn't have to be solely on not solely on Kirk, but like as much on Kirk as what it's been in the past. If it has been in the past at all. 
Yeah. No, it's a fascinating conversation. Uh, I said this to my wife earlier today. I said, this is the home stretch. You know, we have a bowl game, likely. It's unlikely that Iowa goes to the playoff, obviously. They're going to a bowl game no matter what. So this may be the last – this will not be the last game of the season, but this is the last game of this stretch of games. Well, for right? it would be a last game for like a month or so. So, right. I mean – yeah. This, th- as far as like what I'm doing here, and like there's going to be nonstop coverage, you know. But as far as like post game shows and pre game stuff, like this is it for a while. So this is the home stretch. After this, like a lot of teams are already seeing it this week because most teams are not in champion involved in championship week prep, and the portal window just opened today. So a lot of teams are already feeling the effects of the transfer portal and are reaching out to players in the transfer portal. Right. But that's what we're gonna after this week. Unless Iowa shocks the world and we're speculating on where they're going to be selected or if they're maybe in the playoff conversation, that's where we're going to be at. Yeah, we're going to talk about the bowl game, wherever that is. Especially if they lose, they're probably going to go to the Citrus Bowl or or a similar bowl. I don't look at projections really at all. But we're going to have a lot of time to talk about who the OC should be. So, like, I love having these conversations. We're going to have so much time to talk about that. I know, but it's. I mean, I feel like it's intriguing because we haven't had that. Like, it was like Brian right away. So we haven't had this, like, talking a while if that makes sense so like it kind of does make it intriguing where it's like you haven't had this talk for a while and you don't know where kirk's head's at you know what i mean i think it's kind of is intriguing from that perspective of like we haven't had to deal with it in a while let me ask but, you this james do you and this is the last thing i'll i'll say and I'll, I'll let you slide but do you think there's any chance that brian walks away before the bowl game no i don't know i mean i don't know because i don't think he would i think in general if like I mean, he could maybe walk away from a football game. That would put us in a bad situation. And you think he'd put his dad in that situation where it's like, oh, what, I don't what have that situation. What bad situation he, would that? Are you talking about walk away of like, what if they don't have an OC when he walks away though? Then who's going to call the plays? That's why you have an interim OC. They promote. Oh, true, 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 true. They, you they, could just they, put Bud Meyer for a game and see maybe how it goes or something like that. Or exactly. Is yeah, he walking yeah. away from a paycheck if he skips the bowl game or no? I, probably, I, don't I think that. I, I think it probably has to play a coach like a certain amount of games probably for his paycheck because I know that's the one reason he didn't resign too because they asked him to resign. Yeah, he, he was he was never gonna walk. He away. didn't resign because I thought no money was making. Like, I don't blame him for not resigning, but you had to ask the question at least. But I also don't blame him for not resigning. I wouldn't have resigned for that much. I would be like, no, nah, I kind of want my money. So yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I just threw that out there because I know there's a lot of controversy about how he's well because he didn't wear the Iowa stuff. Yeah, he didn't wear not. I think it'd be interesting to see if he wears anything Iowa on Saturday. I don't think it's that big of a deal in general. I don't think it's that big of a deal. going to the conference championship game and not wearing your university I, stuff. I doubt he does. No, he won't. He's not going to. No, he he's not going to. But I don't think it's that big of a deal. But I know other people have thought it was a big deal. You know, other fans have made it a bigger deal. So I think it'd be interesting to see him wear like all black again. He ain't gonna wear the beanie probably because it might be a little warm in there because it's indoor stadium. But um, I don't know who this is. Who directed this is either directed at me, Kyle, or James. Matt says Kirk doesn't call plays. He does influence the scheme and strategy. Does this guy know what an OC does? <laughs> yeah, it's probably me. I mean, I know OC does. OC calls the plays, but <clears throat> OC calls the plays. But there's also other people who influence the play, not influence the play calls, but like can make decisions from there too. So, and obviously that's the big man. So, yeah, the the real interesting part of Kirk's involvement in the OC hire and the offense is what Kirk's influence on the scheme is, not the individual play calls. That's the what does he want? What does he want to? What does he want the scheme still to look like? Too is kind of a big thing. It's like, it's, does he want to hire somebody that fits? That how much team. how much influence does he want and how much does he trust the new person yeah to me those are the two questions 
But what's your what's your prediction for Friday, for uh, Saturday, Corey? Uh, I've not I've not really given it enough thought yet. I'm probably going to come out with a prediction like Wednesday or Thursday. Um, I, I can tell you where I'm at right now. I I think I talked to Mark last night and threw out a number, not official, but it was something like I want to say 27 to 10, something like that. That. Sounds, that sounds about right. I don't I don't see us getting more than. Unless we get them to turn the ball over, I don't really see us get more than like 13, 10, 13. Just one more thing. I see Kyle here in the chat, a different Kyle. He says, I think we should have a package for the backup QB this week, two or three possession with the read option. He gives us a running threat. We don't have it with Deacon. Is he watching? Wouldn't that be great? Like, that's what I mean. That's stuff like, like, I know that Kyle may just be an armchair quarterback like any of us, but like, that's what I'm talking about when I say, Throw something that Michigan does not expect at you. And if believe me, if they trot out Marco freaking Linez, I mean, you realize that, well, first of all, after I saw myself and change, I'm going to be yelling at the top of my lungs in admiration for what Brian Ferentz has done because that would be, I mean, Michigan's not expecting that. Given on, yeah. talk about building up tendency and then breaking tendency. Building up tendency is never, ever, 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 going for a pass play on second and one that's building up tendency. So when you break tendency and take a shot down the field, you're catching the defense off guard. QQQ be a great time to run a pass play, a play action, hard fake shot down the field on a waist down or QQQ great time to possibly, if Marco Linez is even close to being ready, bring him in. Yes. Bring him into the game. And I also think it would be, why would you not? Uh, Cause they, that's not the way they've ever done things, but <laughs> it's his What's what is the point of tendency to break it? You know, Kirk's a tendency guy, though. I mean, yeah. Ooh, not, I know. he likes to keep tendency. And he never yeah. keeping, the keeping keeping tendency. Is I not, agree with you. I know. I agree with you. With change tendency, but I say, you know, Kirk is a tendency guy. He ain't going to yes. do that because he hasn't done it his whole yeah, career. He is. Well, yeah. The only thing I'll rest my hopes on for that to change this weekend is that it's Brian's last chance to shine. That's what I'll say. It's Brian's last chance to go out with. A flash in the pan. If they lose to Michigan, they're going to play, you know, uh, give me an SEC team that's Missouri. They're going to play an SEC team down in Orlando that's probably ransacked by dra- early draft entries like Kentucky was two years ago. And very few people are going to care about the game, regardless of what Iowa does. It's not going to be important to a lot of people. This is the last chance on a national stage for Brian as an OC at Iowa to make his mark. And I would have to think he's going to do something different. They threw a halfback pass in the last game. I mean, people don't remember it because it didn't complete, but they threw a they halfback did. pass. But they have to do more than that. Like there they has did. to be more than one yeah. wrinkle. You like, I, I say throw the kitchen sink. That means do everything you possibly can. That means five, probably for Kirk Ferentz, five or six wrinkles would be throwing the kitchen sink. <laughs> Yeah, it'll give him a chance, James. It'll give him a chance yeah, in the game for sure. But it'll be interesting to see. I know what you could tell the callers didn't mean to take up all their time. Oh, good, James. It, it'll be fun to see. Obviously, it's good to see, get there. Like you said, we'll be the last ever West Division champions for now, at least. And that's something you can always uh, hold your head on. You know, if like nobody can ever really take that from us, if like we won the last ever West Division, it's going to only get tougher from here. So hopefully, we can figure out with the toughness of like adding Oregon, Washington, you know, and USC, UCLA, it's going to only get tougher to get back to the Big Ten Championship game. So well, yeah. it would be cool to pull one off just for that respect, but I don't think so, but you never know. 
it's, it's football. That's why you play the game. They yep. have the thank thank you for the call, James. Appreciate it, sir. Yep. Yep. Doc P says he's not leaving his players. Talking about Brian, he's not leaving his players after all this. But the reason I asked the question is William brings up a good point. With all the coaching shuffles we're seeing right now, he would probably still see it out, even if he got accepted a new job somewhere. I don't think that's his style or Kirk's style, but I'm just saying you never know. And bowl games have lost so much luster that they used to have. Um, so I just thought I'd throw it out there. Please hit the like button, folks. If you're new here, please hit the like button. Uh, be sure to subscribe. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more. Myself and Kyle and you, the caller. We've got Erica and we've got the B on hold. Our phone line is open, 515-635-1601. Talking Iowa football, Big Ten Championship game this weekend. We'll be back after this. Welcome to Iowa Floor Covering, a locally owned flooring store in Bondurant, Iowa, that specializes in do-it-yourself projects. If you're a contractor or a DIYer, Iowa Floor Covering has your back. Right now at Iowa Floor Covering, get tough core click together 4.5 millimeter waterproof vinyl flooring for $269 per foot when you install it yourself. That's a much better value than you'll find at any of the big box stores. Looking for other types of flooring? They can help with that too. Between their exceptional product knowledge and commitment to customer service, the guys at Iowa Floor Covering will provide everything you need to complete your DIY flooring project. So what are you waiting for? Skip the box stores now and visit iowafloorcovering.com slash DIY. That's iowafloorcovering.com slash DIY. Promotional pricing only available with self-installation. Appreciate Iowa Floor Covering. They've been with us a long time as well and have been a big part of our live shows that we do throughout the week. And uh, these shows are not going anywhere, folks, especially as we get into uh, deeper into basketball season. And uh, the men and the women both looking uh, fairly good right now. The men with a nice bounce back victory against Seton Hall the other night. Of course, the women winning the tournament down in Florida. So lots of uh, cool stuff on the way. We appreciate Iowa Floor Covering. Give them a call. Just tell them you appreciate the support of this show that would be appreciated if you could do that folks simply give them a call and tell them hey thanks for supporting a show that i uh, that i enjoy watching and listening to all right let's go back to our phone line we've got erica on hold erica welcome hi how's it going good how are you erica good i hear an echo i'm not sure why uh-oh um do you hear me okay i, hear I heard an echo at first but you're good now it sounds like okay yeah, no, I don't hear an echo anymore. Okay, cool. Um, so going back to the bowl game, which I think is the topic or supposed to be the topic tonight, right? Um, I did want to say a few things. So like 95% of the college football world has counted us out. And I think that's a grave error on our part. I'm not saying we're going to go in there and blow up the world, even though it would be nice if we did that. But they don't realize that this Iowa team has overcome so much this year. And, you know, I also want to say that I'm tired of hearing the Michigan fans saying they've overcome so much, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? Their wounds were self-inflicted. Ours were not. So I am sick and tired of hearing about these Michigan fans saying they, they've had, you know, all these problems on their side as far as, you know, oh, we've had so much horrible, so many horrible things happen to us. And if there's any Michigan fans listening, I do apologize. But honestly, come on. Well, real, real quick, Erica. Uh, push back on you a little bit when you said none of Iowa's have been self-inflicted. Injuries have not been self-inflicted, but the turmoil that I think is kind of. Yeah. The offense. I understand that, but I mean, the injuries were not self-inflicted. Correct. Absolutely. Our coaches didn't get, you know, suspended twice at all. 
you know and why did why did harbaugh get suspended let's think about this why yeah okay he bought, a, he bought a player a cheeseburger as well let's not forget that <laughs> yeah, of course yeah don't they call that like burger burger gate or something like in the, the michigan fan world or something whatever anyway again michigan fans i'm sorry but if you're counting us out you are making a mistake because this team has been underdog time and time again we are used to this and we want you to hate on us because we play well when you hate so that's number one number two i think there's going to be a lot of um how can i say this mentality is going to be a big thing in this game so if we go in there thinking oh it's a foregone conclusion they're going to kick our rear ends why even bother trying we're not going to get anywhere right so we need so the coaches which i have no doubt if i was good at one thing if the coaches are good at one thing it's it's getting the guys ready mentally i think and yeah. i have no doubt that that's happening in the hawkeye building right now i am certain that kirk is giving his famous speeches and you know joe evans is pumping everybody up and you know all that type of stuff and i think that our mentality like you, you're not going to beat us because of our mentality and because we're quote unquote soft. And that's another thing I'm so tired of hearing about how Iowa is soft. How in the world are we soft? Our coaches don't cry like somebody died on t national television. They say we're soft. <laughs> Give me a flipping break. I mean, do you uh, agree with this or, you know, I, I thought it was, here's, here's the deal. And I got ripped for making fun of somebody who showed emotion. Kirk shows emotion after every game. But like, this is not that. This is not that. But he's not sobbing. Oh, my goodness. He's not sobbing into the camera. <laughs> he just ran over his puppy. He's not doing that. Right. So that's that's just my opinion. I mean, people don't agree with that if they don't want to. And I know Michigan fans get really up in arms about it. But right. uh, I want nothing more than for Iowa to beat Michigan on Saturday, Eric. I want you to know that. I want nothing more than for them to embarrass Michigan. Embarrass oh, I, I'm on the same page as you. I'm not saying we're going to win just because of, you know, how I'm talking about this and everything. I'm not saying we're going to win. I'm just saying it is a mistake to count us out. If this is not going to be a 42 to three game again, that is not hey, happening. Hey, uh, there's a guy in the chat. Do you know this guy, uh, Erica? I do know <laughs> this guy. And he's the one who said that you were wrong or hypocritical or however he said it for, you know, saying that it's not the same thing. Like, pretending somebody died and crying about it and like showing emotion for 0.5 seconds, turning around to let it pass and talk to the interviewer again. It's not the same damn thing. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, uh, and then all those who are saying out there, like there was somebody at the very beginning who put in a comment um, about how, you know, look what happened at Penn state and all this. Well, I've got news for that person too. And that is that this team is not, what that team was. This is an improved Iowa team from then. You know, we're not the same team. The defense has more um, cohesion also, than it did back then. They are also a lot more dinged up. <laughs> they are very dinged up. That's true, but I mean, that's not happen. That type of thing is not going to happen. I hope you're right because they had Cade in that game. They had Eric all in that. And then, game. okay, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but Jason is saying that nobody is disrespecting Iowa. That is a load of garbage. That is a load of flipping garbage. You a, you've taken part in that, Jason. I there was, a, there was a comment in the, uh, in the chat not that long ago about Joel Klatt. I thought that was – do you see some of the, the commentary from Joel Klatt this week, Corey? Oh, it's on Twitter everywhere. Yeah. He yeah, referred to Iowa as the little engine that could, and then 
they were talking about the Broyles Award, which for people that don't know is the best assistant in college football either side of the ball. Yep. And he didn't even mention Phil Parker, who I think should be the favorite for that award. Well, it doesn't matter because they announced today that he's a finalist. Yeah, yeah. He, di- he didn't even label Phil Parker as a finalist. Well, <laughs> that's just another example of disrespect again. That's That to me, it was that was wild. He's a former quarterback of a blue blood, and I have a lot of respect for his analysis, but I, I didn't I do too. hear that. I do too. And, um, you know, I, I, I didn't uh, I didn't hear the comments. I'm assuming he made those comments on FS1. Does he have because he's on, a radio his, show or something. on the Joel on the Joel Clatt show? Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't even I, I knew he had a show, but I didn't even know what it was called. So I have a question, Erica, just yeah. out of interest. Um, so th- there is a there is a scenario here where we get into the offseason because there's these investigations on Michigan are going to take a long time, obviously. There's a there is a scenario where Michigan is found guilty of some of these things and they have to vacate games from the last yeah. three years. Right. Mm-hmm. What's uh, what what would your reaction be if Michigan thumps Iowa on Saturday and then we find out in three months that Michigan has to vacate all their games from this season and last season and Iowa gets awarded the Big Ten championship? Gosh, you know what? I don't know what to say to that because I think Ben C Double A is going to do nothing as they always do um and if they do it'll be very slow because that's it'll what be the slow and it'll be minimal it'll be yeah. a slap on the wrist with a fine or something like that they're not going to vacate games yeah. but if it were to happen on the like 0.00005 chance that they do vacate the victories that michigan had this year i mean i would say they had it coming because if they're gonna cheat they should be punished it's not that complicated. I don't know why everyone's making this so complicated. If there was wrongdoing, they should be punished for their crimes. Like the people on our team who gambled, they did they did their time. They, they did, didn't complain. They did way more than their time. <laughs> yeah, well, Noah, Noah Shannon's done way more. But you no, get my Noah, point. Noah they, Shannon they, would have played they, against Penn State week four if he had a DUI at the start of the season. Right. No, they've they've more <laughs> than done their time and they didn't complain about it. They, you know, took it. But if there was wrongdoing, hey, I don't care who it is. They need to do. They need to, you know. Comments like that from Clat. Comments like that from Clat. If anything, it's a good thing. And I didn't haven't yeah. listened to Mason Richmond today. But if if he brought it up, I mean, the players hear that stuff. He did. Um, yeah, they've they've all heard it. You know, I, but again, sometimes it's more about the Jimmys and Joes. Um, but if if Iowa needs an edge, they should be able to to achieve it based on what you're talking about, Eric, is some of the, there should be, yeah, there should be no issues getting fired up for this game. And that's, that's the one thing that I feel confident in with this game is that the coaching staff and the players will be ready to play. I do not look at people like Joe Evans and think he's just going to quit. Even, even yeah, I mean, Hill, like Deacon Hill cares about this team. I mean, every time they make plays at the end of the game, Deacon Hill is very invested. He, he, the, those types of people are not going to just go and bow down at the altar of Michigan and Jim Harbaugh, like, take your big 10 championship. Like that's not who these people are. I, I right. They're not going to just bow down and take it. And like these, some of these Michigan fans earlier in Mark's chat and Corey, I know you were hosting. So you may not have seen some of these comments. Some of them were acting like we might as well not even go to Indy and just not play. And it's like, you know, nothing about Iowa football. If you think that's what's going to happen, they are hungrier than I've ever seen. them. They are extremely hungry. ESPN FPI says they have a 7% chance to win. That's well, that is, that's, that's worth. What they, they always hate us too, for. so I don't. I don't really yeah. care what the media says. I'll be really honest. That's yeah. how I think about things, football or outside of football. I don't care what the media says. But even if you agreed that Iowa had a three percent chance to win, you'd still go and play the game. Yeah, of course. 
I mean, I was not just going to sit there and lay down. Real quick, Harbaugh's khakis in the chat. Please don't be disrespectful to our caller. Um, (laughs) You know, I, 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 Erica can defend herself, but this is our chat here, and Kyle and I are both moderators, so. Oh, what type of crap is being said this time? Oh, it's. <laughs> I will. We'll stick with the comment about Deacon Hill being better than any quarterback on Michigan at competitive eating. That's the. Uh, that's the. That's the one we'll roll with. Okay, competitive eating, but it, yeah, it was the comment before that from. You know, Carl. honestly, I know, I know what you're referencing all these comments about Deacon being overweight. I just, I think people need to chill out with that. Really, they well, do. He I mean, is overweight. I'm not saying he's not. I'm not saying he's not overweight. I'm not. I'm, I'm acknowledging he has a problem. Even Kirk has, I think it was Kirk who said that they're going to work on it during the off season and stuff like that. So they acknowledge it, but people just keep saying it. And it's like, we heard you the first 15,000 times you said it. Okay. Like, I'm sorry. I know I'm, I'm ranting here, but I'm so tired of this disrespect from Michigan fans. I am so flipping tired of it. And if we win, if we win on the off chance that we do, because I'm not predicting that we win. I'm not saying that. I'm saying we're going to go in there, we're going to play, and we're going to be competitive. I think that's the best case scenario. But if on the off chance we win, they're going to go into hiding. They're not going to be able to cope. (laughs) If if they go into hiding, we need to have you on as the first caller. How about that? (laughs) I'm always willing to be the first to call. I'm I'm also willing to to be a mod too. I've said that before. So Corey, if you're if you want me to, I'm more than willing to do it. Okay. And I will. I am nicer as a mod than I am when I talk to you. You see me in Mark's chat. I will. Uh, I'll, I'll defer to Corey since it's his show. But if if Iowa does pull it off, I think the best uh, thing for us to do, Corey, is to have her on at the start of the show and just do 15 minutes of. <laughs> well, first of all, as a test, Erica, how would you handle the comment from Harbaugh's khakis that we were referring? Which to? Which one? Where is? Can you show it to me? <laughs> I don't know I don't... exactly what was said. Okay. Well, first of all, Lemansky. Uh, appreciate the super chat, Lemansky, where he says, "Here is wishing Hawks are plus three in turnovers in Indy." Um, that would uh, help the cause, Lemansky. If they're plus three in turnovers, uh, they got a shot. They got a good shot if they're plus three. That's uh, going to be hard to accomplish. That. Here's the comment from Harbaugh's khakis. That I thought... drunk? No, she's not. But thanks for asking. I don't even drink. <laughs> I thought it was. I listen. I thought it was disrespectful. I kind of giggled for a second because I know. You're not drunk, obviously, Erica. Right. Well, these people, this Harbaugh's khakis, whoever this might be, like, that's a cute name, but you don't know me at all. So if you're going to judge, that's that's a you problem. That's not my problem. Do you see what the picture? Do you see what the picture is? The profile. I can't see it. What is it? What is it? They're they're khakis. Are they literally? (laughs) (laughs) They're khakis. So. I think um, this person was drunk when they created their username and put their <laughs> their photo in there. That's just my opinion. Drunk on the drunk on the Michigan Kool Aid. Okay, just, I'm sorry. Oh, and and they say Iowa's soft. Wow, wow. And Is that offended by that response? My they, God. Thank you for the apology. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. And I also love. I have to comment this too. I love how. All of a sudden, all these Michigan fans are in our chat in our house, and they're saying they don't disrespect Iowa. And honestly, you know, I am sorry, but that is just not true. You absolutely, a lot of you do disrespect Iowa. I'm not going to say all of you because there's some people who do respect Iowa, but there are quite a few who don't. And some of them are in this very chat right now. So don't, don't be 
pretending that you know it, it is cool. it is strange that there's so many michigan do iowa that, fans do this we don't go to their chats we have other things to do I, might, I might have to go just to start checking just to see if we're like calling in there for attendance first of all i think a lot of these fans the big 10 the mark's big 10 show ended at what nine o'clock so i think a lot of these people just jumped over here right um yeah. anyways um anything else erica we appreciate you being on here no, I've said my piece for tonight, and um, yeah, that's about it. Thank you for having me as always, and as I said, if you need mods ever, like, you know, after the game, whenever I'm perfectly willing to do it, and I promise I'm not as hostile when I'm a mod. I'm actually pretty open, so. Shoot me an email, uh, Erica. Okay. Thanks okay. a lot. Have a good evening. Have a good evening, Erica. Appreciate it. All right. Um, we've got, uh, let's see. Scrolling through, making sure we didn't miss. Uh, we got the super chat from Lewanski, the first one. And there was a second one. How about this? Chris Childers of Full Ride of XM Sirius stated he intends to vote Phil for the Burroughs Award, the only D coordinator on the ballot with five names. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Appreciate the super chat, um, Lewanski. And um, BH says, I definitely go to Nebraska's channels and do my thing, but not Michigan. I respect Michigan fans as of now. Uh, Kirk says, uh, thank you for the super chat, Kirk. I think there will be any Iowa players who will forego playing in either the Big Ten championship game or the following bowl game. The bowl game, they will. The bowl game, yes. Not uh, the Big Ten championship game. Yeah, I don't think uh, – not anybody that's actually going to play. There may be some people that don't travel. I thought it was interesting that there were some Iowa State players that didn't travel down to Kansas State, uh, one being Eli Sanders, backup running back. And he was playing. He was playing throughout the year, but – then Abu Sama goes off for like 300 rushing yards, and you're like, okay, now I understand why Eli didn't bother to, to travel down there. But um, I don't know who you know who that would be who would forego the uh, Big Ten championship game. Joe Evans is not foregoing anything. Um, I'm trying to think uh, other experienced guys. If Jay Higgins comes back, like he could still come back. That's the other thing we don't know what Jay's going to do. So my guess is he, unless you know, maybe he declares early. But my guess is he will not. If anything, he leaves after the Big Ten championship game. Nick Jackson, don't know. Maybe he's a maybe he leaves and doesn't play in the big and in the bowl game. But when if if he was to not or if anybody was to not play on Saturday, when would you expect that news to start breaking? This Saturday. Yeah, if he was if he was to, if any of them were to take a pass out of a game like the bowl game or the Big Ten championship game, how far in, you know in advance would you expect that? My guess is we don't hear anything until game day when the availability report comes out. Okay. Um, but uh, like I, said, I don't think that's the case for the championship game. Uh, I can see, you know, we've had guys like Kayvon Merriweather, Tyler Goodson, a couple of guys that come to mind. Um, you know, maybe Sebastian Castro. Uh, he decides, hey, my draft stock is high enough. I don't want to take a risk in a bowl game. He could do that. I, I don't know. But a good question. Appreciate the super chat, Kirk. And Lemansky with the super chat. Thank you, Lemansky. Please, non-Hawkeyes use complete sentences unless you have no high school diploma. Um, thank you, Lemansky. Appreciate the super chat. And I read every super chat as best I can, as long as it's uh, clean. So thank you for that super chat, Lemansky, and your donation to the show. As always, it is much appreciated. As Erica says, Lemansky coming in with the dollars as usual. Thank you, Erica and Lemansky. Uh, D Dennis says that Marvin McNutt said today that Iowa does do special plays in games like this. Well, Dennis, um, you know, go back to 2021. Yeah, they, they ran a, a little bit of an exotic, if you will, with the halfback pass. But I would, pr frankly, I would uh, trust a former OC and Don Patterson to be able to react to a game plan after he sees it. 
been a former Kirk Ferentz player who's going to be supportive and be behind his coach. That's what I would say. That's just like when when I hear Tristan Wirfs or George Kittle or whoever, Tristan Wirfs went on this thing about Brian Ferentz and how he loves that man. And Tristan Wirfs is making tens of millions of dollars in the NFL and went to Iowa. What reason does he have at this point to say anything bad about the coaches that helped him get there? Nothing. I mean, frankly, I would rather hear from somebody from the Hayden Fry era or, you know, someone who transferred out commenting, you know, maybe transferred on a good terms, but commenting on a situation. So that's just my opinion. Uh, LFG, fair question. If Rutgers could play Michigan even for the whole first quarter, why can't Iowa? Only worry, in my opinion, is the Iowa run D. Well, Iowa's run defense has been pretty darn good, and I don't think there's anybody questioning whether Iowa can play Michigan solid for a quarter, even a half. They did that a couple of years ago. The problem is, again, how much can that defense sustain if uh, the offense isn't contributing? Matt says if they beat uh, Minnesota, the committee would pick Ohio State over Iowa. They would, correct. But the problem is, again, if you pick Ohio State over Iowa, does that mean you're picking Ohio State over Michigan? Then are you forced to take two Big Ten teams? So I don't know. That that would be Ohio nice. State has a what? What's Ohio State's resume outside of Penn State, Michigan? Who else have they played? Obviously, Rutgers beat Rutgers, beat Maryland, beat Notre Dame. That's obviously the big one um, in the non-conference. Um, yeah. I think out of conference, they beat Wisconsin at Madison. And then, of course, everybody else in the East, Maryland. Um, I mean, the Notre Dame win is the big one, right? I and mean, that's, that's the big difference yeah. between Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, Coyle, go ahead. Oh, well, I was just going to say the loss – to Iowa for Michigan versus a loss at the big house on the last drive of the game is that's a, I mean, that's a big enough difference to where I would say the head to head's not necessarily, I mean, if that game's played on a neutral side or in the horseshoe, are we sure Ohio state doesn't win? Well, they didn't win last year in the horseshoe, but no, you're, right. you're exactly right. Uh, Coil stipulate. Uh, what do you think the fan split will be this time around? It'll probably be 75% Michigan. Hopefully Iowa can eclipse the 25% mark, but uh, I wouldn't count on that necessarily. Uh, let's go back to our call in line. We've got uh, the B and then we've got Nick uh, on the line. We'll start with the B who was in here first to be welcome. Hey guys. Hey doing sir. Good. Good. Uh, just a question on the Andy Ludwig. Where did you hear that rumor, Corey? I'm curious. What rumor? Uh, was he brought up as a possible OC candidate? We were, t I was told, uh, Andy Lugwood was contacted by Iowa. Wow. Was, okay. That was, that was Tom Kakert and Hawkeye report that said that on our, our recent show. I think it was post game coverage for Nebraska game potentially, but that was out of, uh, that was according to Tom Kakert. That, that would be huge. And he does have that connection, that Midwest connection. He, he, that is when Wisconsin was at their peak. They were averaging 400 yards a game when that guy, for those two years, he was uh, offensive coordinator. So, yeah, that would be gigantic if if they could get him. Um, kind of a shocker. I didn't I didn't even hear that before until listening to the show tonight. Yeah. Secondly, uh, the who was the previous girl on? What was her name that you guys? Oh, Erica. Erica. Tell Erica. I do. I am one of those guys that goes to the other call-in shows with other teams, and that, and I'll tell you why because I've kind of got an all new perspective here. And I think Corey, you can remember at the beginning of the season 
we talked about the record and I said, they're going to get to 10 and two. Then they're going to get to the championship game and get slaughtered. But I'll worry about that when it happens. But what's really interesting is what I've noticed in the past few weeks of these games that we have won. I've gone to a lot of these call-in shows, not to call in, but to listen. And it's shocking how many fans call in from other teams and have so much respect for Iowa's defense and how the, the person that is running the show, whether it be a call-in, you know, an actual ESPN legit call-in show local or a, just a local radio station or a podcaster, specifically we'll talk about, well, we were forced to play Iowa's way, but Iowa out Iowa Iowa'd us again, so we lost. Would you be okay with having a team like this now with getting the UCLA, the, the Washington, the Oregon, these wide-open offenses – offenses if you can't keep up with it try to build a defense like iowa where you limit you know force them into a mistake would you be okay winning you know 13 10 17 10 you know that sort of game and i was shocked how many people actually would and and so it's kind of i've kind of changed my whole paradigm on you know, it was painful. I think in the middle of the season, I told you it's painful watching Iowa. It was, it's hard to watch them win, but I, when you get an outside perspective yeah. of other people and how they view the program from the outside in, there's very few people that I came across even listening to again, just lurking that disrespected that had, you know, that called Iowa soft or any disrespect. There was this, this huge appreciation for what we built. But again, on this side, yeah, it is painful to watch on the offensive end. So I don't know. It's just given me a whole new perspective on how I view this team going forward. With with that being said, though, I was going to ask you, um, Blair Sanderson had reported that a couple hours ago that Iowa has been in contact with uh, Tufts University wide receiver Jaden Richardson. So I was just curious if we don't have an offensive coordinator at this point, you know, as you know, Brian is on the way out. Who's in charge of reaching out to guys like that? And why would that be a fit for our offense? Like, where is that decision made? Isn't that something that you, the offensive coordinator would have more of a, of a discussion or a decision in making? But uh, the first time I'm hearing this and I haven't had conversation okay. with, with Tom since Saturday, you're saying that uh, Blair Sanderson reported who, who are they, who'd they contact? It's uh Tufts, T-U-F-T-S, Tufts University wide receiver, Jaden Richardson. And so I'm just kind of curious if we if we have a lame duck coordinator right now, who's the one reaching out to these potentials? Um, and that's OK if they are. I'm just I'm just kind of curious at what. So what role is our offensive coordinator going to play our new one unless we already have the coordinator and he's in house? And he's the one reaching out. So, well, so well, keep in mind, keep in mind uh, that recruiting is not always position based. So, yes, ideally, uh, you would like to have an OC slash your wide receivers coach be able to help recruit a kid like this. But I mean, this kid's. I'm just looking up the profile. Of this kid, he's from San Mateo, California, and uh, I don't even know where is Tufts University. I have uh, no idea. Medford, Massachusetts. So, you know, perhaps it's a connection through Kenny O'Keefe or perhaps it's a connection through Deacon Hill. Maybe I don't know where San Mateo is compared to 
where Deacon grew up, was, I think was not San Rafael. That's where Petrus was from. Santa Barbara was for from uh, was the home of Deacon Hill. But my point is, it's not always necessarily position based. So I'm sure Kirk is he's going to be heavily involved with the portal because he has to be able to sell this to these kids, especially if they don't have a no see hired until January or February. They're going to have to sell to these kids in December. Hey, we're this is who we're looking for in a, in a wide receiver and a coordinator or a quarterbacks coach, whatever the case may be. And so, you know, you're playing for me, you're playing for this culture and the system, but I don't, I don't know necessarily that hurts them directly with any specific position because, you know, coaches go all over the place. They have regions in general, especially in high school, they have regions in general where they're recruiting and, you know, it might be LeVar Woods that recruits this kid out East, depending on who's recruiting where. And I don't know who has the East coast. There's one specific coach, um, you know, like Jay Neiman is the defensive uh, recruiting coordinator. So, you know, who knows? It could be Liddell Betts. I, I have no idea. Right. Okay. Well, anyway, um, yeah. So what to expect from this weekend? Hey, I think you're going to get a bunch of kids that are going to play hard. I think that's all we can ask for. And that's what I'm stoked to see. I'm really proud of these guys. Um, I'm glad that they made me a winner in Vegas. I said 10 to 2 at the beginning of the year. I cashed out good. So thank you for that. That's that's that was awesome for me. But just in general, seeing these guys, this is a different unit, obviously, than two years ago. There is there is something special about these kids. You can tell they just don't quit. And that right there is a sign of, you know, that they've already won in my book on that end. But it was. Jake Butt said at the beginning of the year, the old uh, the former Michigan tight end who was the what Fox pregame or whatever he was doing at that time, big 10, this was his two picks. It was going to be Iowa versus Michigan. And he said, it's kind of serendipity because this was before Cade and Eric were hurt, but he said, it's meant to be this way. This is why it was meant to be this way. So that's the only part that I feel really sad about is Cade and Eric. This, this was supposed to be a full circle event here. And, um, but I'm just so glad that they participated in, in helping us get to this point because this is going to be a lot of fun to watch, but go Hawks. Yeah. And thanks for the phone call, guys. Thank you, sir. Appreciate the call. Thank you. And uh, BH with a super chat. Do you still think Brian could take some notes from his own play calling in 2017 during that Ohio State game? Absolutely. Should. Should go back and look at games against USC, against Ohio State. What did we do well? Can we emulate some of that on Saturday? I was rewatching the game yesterday. Stanley was playing above average. Play calling was not typical of him. Correct. Correct. And they did mix in like the polecat play as a play we remember. That's an example of a, of a huge wrinkle, and it worked, and they scored a touchdown off of it. I mean, not directly off of it, but you get what I'm saying. So yeah. they haven't ran those types of plays since, like, 2019. They just kind of stopped with those innovative special teams plays. And I, I don't know why, because they were working. Thank you for the uh, Super Chat, BH and MW. That's it. The best we can hope for is that our Hawkeyes will play their hardest. Chad wants to know, uh, as Cooper said, if he's coming back next year. No, nothing official from Cooper. But I, I've said several times on good authority, that decision has not yet been made. So do not be shocked if he does come back. Um, but again, I don't think anything's 100% at this point. Lucas says, uh, does Kirk retire if Iowa shocks the world Saturday night? Uh, probably not, but you know, I've been talking about Kirk potentially retiring in general, even if they just won the West, and they have done that now. So wouldn't count it out, but I doubt that happens, Lucas based on just some of the rhetoric from Kirk recently. Casey says, any news on Caleb Brown? Nothing from me. Um, I do. What it sounds like is they expect for him to give it a go, but we're just going to wait and see. Um, 
my guess is on Saturday we'll we'll probably have a pretty good idea on the availability report. Um, well, it's not with with his because he was concussion, correct? That's that's the word out there. That's yep. the word out. Okay, because if it is a concussion, it's not really a matter of giving it a go, right? It's more he can right. or he can't play, correct? Right. And so if 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 he passes concussion protocol, then he'll play. If not, then he won't. So as I say, I think we'll know with the avail- availability report because he'll have either passed it or he, or he will not have. Uh, Morgan, uh, how does Cade's knowledge of JJ play into how we were able to defend? Seemed like a guy in the quarterback room would have some valuable information. Uh, well, sure. And I know Kirk made a comment today about how he's really not trying to read too far. I think it was yesterday. Didn't want to read too far into what Cade had to say, rely on the film. But there's no question Cade's going to be trying to help Deacon. He's going to probably be giving some some uh, pointers to the defense. I mean, I don't know that Phil Parker needs a ton of pointers. I think he's probably one of the best in the business as far as scouting an opponent. But uh, certainly his knowledge of everything at Michigan and Eric All's knowledge of what's going on at Michigan should be able to help them. And, uh, you know, Caleb Brown has some knowledge uh, of that rivalry, right? Um, just played him last year as Iowa did. But, um, yeah, there's there's an interesting – unfortunately, two of those three guys are not playing, and the two Michigan guys are not playing, so that's unfortunate. Uh, Chris says, uh, Kirk has definitely – Whoa, Kirk has definitely overridden play calls. That is fact. Okay, so where's your source, Chris? You can say it's fact all you want. And sure, every coach overrides a play call here or there. But you can't just say something's fact without substance or evidence to back it up. So if you want to try to convince me that Kirk's making play calls from play to play, you show me the evidence of that, as opposed to just someone stating an opinion. I I don't know that there is evidence of that. I doubt there is because I don't think it's happening. We read this comment already from Lansky again. Appreciate that. And um, Erica wants to know any waste downs this uh, Saturday. Boy, they better they better mix in some waste downs. This is the time to break. Yeah. Tenancy. Why would you not break tenancy at this point? Um, Casey says I brought this up on Mark's show. If we already read this, if, if, will Iowa walk away or will Kirk walk away? Rick, has Marco played one snap this year? No, he has not, and he can play the whole game on Saturday and still. Have a redshirt year. Take his redshirt year. So no reason not to play him. Kyle, thanks for becoming the newest member of our YouTube channel. Appreciate you joining. If you're interested in joining, you can click the little join button next to the channel name here on YouTube. You might have to do it. If you're on your iPhone, you might have to do it through your browser or go on a different device. But uh, pretty easy to do that through the app. Thank you, Kyle. Let's go back to our call-in line. We've got Nick on hold. Nick, welcome to the show. How's it going, guys? Doing good. How are you, sir? Good, good. Uh, I was going to drop a super chat, but I had too many notes here, so I'm going to try to keep it brief, but a few, okay. few things to uh, to hit. Uh, actually, the last few comments are pretty relevant. I was going to say, um, if we've got a shot in this game, it's got to go a lot like the 2017 Ohio State game. They've got to come out flat, um, you know, emotional hangover from last week, and we're going to have to probably open up the playbook the way we did in that game. And I hope that Brian's not gun shy from 2021 when he tried to do that a little bit and it didn't work. Um, didn't execute great. You know, the halfback pass seemed like after that, if I remember right after that, I don't think he really went back to anything crazy, did he? So um, yeah, that was the well, end of the creativity. That's the, only, yeah. that's the only argument I would make on that, Nick. I, I don't want to be dependent on one big play early. Exactly. Right? And if that play doesn't happen, well, well, we tried. We, we gave it our best shot. I guess we'll back mail it. Iowa. Yeah, back to being Iowa. Back to yeah. beating against a brick wall. I mean, they need to have multiple wrinkles. And the Ohio State game, 
I think you're probably right because Ohio State was coming off that win against Penn State the week prior. But let's not forget first play of the game, pick six mm-hmm. for Monster. Is that a direct result of Ohio State being hung over? Is just a bad decision by JT Barrett? Because after that play occurred, then it snowballs, right? And then Josh Jackson gets another pick, and then he gets another pick. And, you know, then Stanley's got guys hanging all over him, and Wally's making guys miss, and James Butler's making guys miss. So, yeah, I just – I go back. What you said is fair. Hopefully you get him on a bit of a hangover that didn't happen two years ago. But if you can somehow create a big play early and get on top early, even if it's a play on defense, like in 2017, it started off with a pick six. That can uh, that can change a game. Yeah, I mean, whatever they put in the power raid that day that had every one of our players playing their best game they've ever played. I mean, Josh Jackson, unbelievable interceptions. Um, Stanley with the – wasn't that Bosa hanging off his leg and delivering that touchdown? Yeah, pass in, I think. bullet to the back of the end zone. I mean, some, one of the greatest things I've ever seen watching the Hawkeyes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's how it's going to have to go, which, you know, slim chance, but if we come out that way, it could be a good, good game to watch. Um, and the margin, no matter what, I don't think it's going to be 55 to 24. I think it's going to be, if we're winning, we're winning a tight one, but yeah, it's going to be a little scoring game, right? I mean, um, one, one comment I wanted to make, Corey, I, uh, I got to take you to task a little bit because I heard you on, uh, on Mark's show earlier make a comment about uh, Jay Higgins not being, you know, quite up to the Jack Campbell standard. I I think Jay Higgins gets ignored a bit too often for my taste by the media who's really kind of, you know, obsessed with Cooper DeGene and rightfully so. Cooper DeGene's an absolute beast. I'm not saying that he's not the most purely talented on our team, Cooper, but Jay Higgins is about as dominant. If there's a gap between Jack Campbell and Jay Higgins at that position, it's minuscule. Yeah. Uh, I think Jack Campbell got more press maybe because he was, you know, six, five and fun to cover. And I feel like he was in the backfield more often, but I've gone to uh, all the home games this year and I have not seen many linebackers as dominant as Jay back there. Let me just, let me just clarify what I meant when I said that, because I absolutely agree with you. I don't think there's, and I've said that on the post game show before. I don't think there's really much of any drop off between, at least the duo of Jay Higgins and uh, Nick Jackson from mm-hmm. Jack Campbell and Seth Benson. What I meant when I said what I said earlier today on Mark's show, I was actually talking about guys that can single-handedly change a game. Like mm. with Cooper, with his return ability, with his gunning ability and pinning guys inside the five along with Torrey Taylor, his ability to make plays in the ball uh, in coverage. And the one thing Jack did that we have not yet seen out of Jay is – you know, make those big, big game changing type of plays mm-hmm. like you got a Cooper DeGene. Now he's not obviously can't, Jack was never, you know, a weapon as a gunner or a punt returner, but I'm talking, you know, I think about the play, the, uh, the big return, was it against Wisconsin or Illinois? Um, I know, it, I think it was called out in the sideline. They whistled Minnesota. it. Minnesota. Like, like Tim O'Day. Um, yeah, I think it was 2000, 2020. It was last year. Yeah. Last year on the road. 2020, though, against Wisconsin, the pick in the end zone after Iowa's offense failed. Yeah. Um, you know, we just saw we fumbled between fumble recoveries and we punched out the ball on the Iowa State goal line in 2021, which caused a Justin Jacobs scoop and score. Mm. Uh, you have that. Or no, wrong, wrong way around. But Justin Jacobs punched it out. Jack Campbell was in the right uh, position. Jack Campbell's money. He's money on the spot. Jumps in for that's all I'm saying, Nick. From a, purely a linebacker's perspective, absolutely, I don't see much of a, a difference at all, frankly, in what we're seeing out of those two linebackers. But I'm just saying that at some point, sometimes you, Iowa has depended on a guy 
like Campbell or DeGene who can make one or two big plays, like a turnover or a big play sure. on special teams to change a game. And that's maybe one thing. Have we seen that from Jay yet? I don't know that we have. The, the best play from Jay that I can remember this year is Northwestern on the third down on the goal line stand. Um, I mean, every one of those plays, but he's just yeah. he's dominant at the line of scrimmage. Um, I've never seen him overpowered. I mean, I always see him overpowering everybody he goes up against. So, uh, but no, totally valid point about the game changing plays and stuff. And I'm just, you know, I'm just teasing you a little bit, but yeah, I, I hope he wins the Buckus award. I think he's a, is he a finalist? Uh, no, he's not. not. No, I don't believe so. He was he absolutely robbed. Yeah. that's. And there was somebody in the, there was somebody as a Buckus finalist. I can't remember from what school that had like half the number of tackles that he has. Wow. And I was just going to say real quick. Jack Campbell ended his Iowa career, and Jay Higgins has only played really this year. He played a little bit last year, but Jack Campbell ended his career with five interceptions, wow. a touchdown, uh, three fumble recoveries, and uh, three forced fumbles. So that's kind of what I'm talking about. Now, Jay Higgins so far this year. Let me find his stats here. Um, well, you looked that up too, Corey. I think that's what this defense is missing in general too. Talking about breaking tendencies, there's two tendencies that are very, very strong for each defense. Iowa has not forced a ton of turnovers this year. I know they did uh, force a few against Nebraska, but we can chalk that up to Nebraska being Nebraska. Michigan secondary has forced a ton of turnovers. Michigan is third in college football in interceptions. They have 16 picks this year, and Deacon Hill puts the ball in trouble. That tendency has got to switch in this game because if, sure. Iowa, if Iowa loses the turnover battle by one, I would say the game's over. That's why you don't take this – is, this is where I go back to – my little interaction I had with Brian preseason, which I thought, you know, ended up kind of being prophetic as it relates to this season, because when when Brian made the comment that, you know, sometimes the best times to take a shot are on, you know, first and 10 or on third and 10. Precisely the reason why you take shots on second and one, second and two and catching the defense off guard. Yeah, there's times when you can complete deep balls on third and 10, third and 11. But what did we see Saturday? It's third and or what, 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 what I'm trying to think of the down down and distance. I think it was third and long, right on that drive, and Deacon throws the ball into coverage, and he throws the ball into double coverage actually, and Nebraska picks it off, and that could have very easily cost Iowa the game. That's why Iowa needs to take shots on waist downs because I, I don't understand why the viewpoint seems to be we're risk adverse, so we're we're going to run the ball on second and one. It's it's less risky to throw the ball deep on second and one than it is to throw the ball on third and 10. That's why you don't want first and 10 at midfield. You want second and one at midfield. And the, the other thing too, is they like Deacon is putting the ball in jeopardy. Like we see this game in and game out. So in my mind, if you're going to put the ball in jeopardy, why not put the ball in jeopardy down the field as opposed to 10 yards from the line of scrimmage? Like he puts the ball in jeopardy plenty, yeah. 10 yards from the line of scrimmage. Why not take that? And if, if you're going to put it in jeopardy, put it in jeopardy on something that you stand to gain a lot of yardage from. Right. And, and it's a lot better to throw a pick that leaves them back closer to their end zone. Yeah, it could be it could be essentially a it could be essentially a punt if he throws it 30 yards down the field. I mean, that's you know, you get what I'm saying? You're you're muted, Corey. Yeah, I was going to say that. Let's recall, though, that all comes back to how these co how these quarterbacks are coached, taught, developed. And, yes, yes. you know, some of that same some of the same issues that you're you're describing there. I think fall back to some of the same issues we saw with Spencer Petrus and I reflect on 2021 at Wisconsin and good friend, Tyler Knudsen, who uh, is 
partial owner of uh, Iowa Floor Covering, one of our sponsors. He talks about he was at that game up in Madison when it was fourth. I was down like 10 points or 15 points, whatever it was. And it's fourth down at like the plus 40. And what does Petrus do when under pressure? He throws the ball out of bounds on fourth down. Like, what do you... Like at some point, just take a shot down the field. Just throw it up down the field, the goal line, right? Well, well, I will say one thing: why I'm hopeful about the turnover battle in this game. Like you mentioned, Michigan's forced a ton of turnovers. Iowa has not forced hardly any turnovers this year. Um, but we know that forcing turnovers is in the team's DNA, and I hope that Michigan is overlooking that possibility based on this year's film. Um, and maybe they'll put the ball in more dangerous situations because they're not as aware of our ability to create turnovers. And on the flip side, I hope that I hope that all of our coaches are hammering um, on Deacon specifically, but on the whole team, we can't turn the ball over. And I'm sure they are, but I'm I, I'm I'm hoping and, and expecting that they're hammering that we can't be turning the ball over if we want to have any chance in this game. And hopefully, Michigan gets a little cocky. And nothing would make me happier than to see JJ McCarthy picked off and, and, and taken one to the house on. And I like JJ. I think he's a good dude, but, but that guy's been riding high all season. I'd love to see the Hawkeyes finally, finally take one back on him. I think what you said is fair about it is in Iowa's DNA and how Iowa is coached. And, you know, the one thing about the situation now without Cooper, like he was the primary turnover guy, right? So he was the threat. You think about the interception against Michigan state, yeah, um, yep. I'm trying to think. He had the interception. Even last year, the pick six against Rutgers and Kentucky and Wisconsin. Yeah, but but my point in bringing that up, yeah, he's out. But Iowa does have guys on this team that have proven that they can create turnovers. By the way, I looked it up. Maybe I'm selling Jay Higgins a little bit short on the turnover thing. I have to go back to see which games this was in. I guess uh, let's see. He had an interception against. Where is the interception? Um, I don't see it here. But he's got one interception this year. Mm-hmm. He does have two fumble recoveries and a forced fumble. So maybe I was selling him a little bit short on that note. But, uh, you know, Xavier Wampa had a pick six against Kentucky uh, last year. You had Quinn Schulte with an interception. Was it last week or the week before? Um, Jamari Harris had a pick against Nebraska. Was it two years ago, I believe? So, yeah, they've got guys who can – I mean, Joe Evans had a, yeah. a sack and score against Ohio State on the road last year. So Sebastian Castro has 30, or, uh, three interceptions this year as well. Sure. And Hurkett had a pick last week. So it's – Yeah, he's a Hurkett. When, when, when you got defensive linemen dropping back into cover, <laughs> intercepting the pass, it's – you know, you, you got guys who have a knack for the ball. Are, are you guys worried at all after watching Purdy uh, gashes deep twice last week? Not at all. I'm less worried. And, I, and the reason I say this, Nick, is because, and I brought it up earlier, same reason why I was not concerned with that at Penn State. They gave up several big plays against Western Michigan. And I just, I have so much confidence in Phil Parker's ability to batten down the hatches, so to speak, especially with giving up explosive plays. It's just something that he doesn't do. And I think, based on what Don Patterson said during our postgame show, that, I mean, obviously the DB got put in a vulnerable position, but you could kind of blame Phil Parker for that because it was kind of an odd time to to show blitz, show pressure. And my point is, my guess is that that mistake will not be duplicated, not will, will not be replicated. Mm-hmm. And remember, they, they gave up, what, 31 points to Penn State. 
they were on the field for 97 plays. Penn State did not have a single super explosive play. They may not have even had a, an explosive play. They did not have a single play of 20 yards or longer in that game. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I have no doubt, you know, Michigan's got weapons, and they may get a couple of big plays in Iowa. But based on what Iowa did last week, the corrections I anticipate Phil will make, and the lessons Iowa learned two years ago. Remember the double pass or the halfback pass from Michigan, um, from, was it Edwards, that made the pass? I would think they'll learn from that. And, you know, maybe they fall for another one, but I got trust in Phil Parker. Sounds good. Yeah, I don't think that Michigan's going to have – too many surprises, any tricks up their sleeves. Whereas I think Iowa knows that if we're going to win, we're going to have to do that. So I think if anybody has the potential element of surprise here um, and it's going to gash anybody on some deep ones, you know, maybe it could be us. Um, hopefully Caleb Brown is good to go. Um, Nico's always pretty reliable. And um, was there an issue with Estranga? Uh, I don't believe so. He played, didn't he? Thought somebody mentioned something about him limping or being camping. What about uh, what about the offensive line, Corey? Is there any? Are, are we good to go on the offensive line, or is there anything? I know was it Logan Jones was digged up. He's been dinged up. I mean, he's he's tried yeah. to give it a go in a couple of games, and then Ellsbury has to come in for him. Um, as far as I'm aware, Rusty Feth. You know, all these guys are dinged up right now. That whole offensive line is dealing with nagging injuries. But Feth, I expect Feth to play. Um, Colby played last week. Got killed on that uh, one of those field goal blocks if you watch 77s on his butt on one of those field goal blocks um and uh yeah dunker got dinged up we'll just have to wait and see we'll get kirk tomorrow and and get some updates on these guys looking forward to hopefully hopefully michigan's pretty banged up from playing ohio state too um zach was a big loss from that game they lost their big offensive lineman too Mm -hmm. are up front well i know hey um, does anybody know one more thought I wanted to, I wanted to drop on here. Does anybody know where I can get like a bust of, of Kirk Ferentz for my office or a, like an oil painting? Cause I got to say guys, uh, it, it's been said it, it's not, it doesn't get said enough. The coaching job that this guy's done. I, you, you run out of words to say, I mean, yeah, there's stuff, there's criticism there to be had, but I mean, what other coach could have kept the team together and, and in this game, given every single bit of adversity. And I mean, you kind I gotta, of expect that now, right? You kind of expect him to just keep things together when when the back's up against the wall. 2021, 2020 with the lawsuit, they're down, you know, they're 0-2 to start that year. They got a pending lawsuit that had just been announced, all the offseason problems, they went six straight. That's just kind of what he does. Yeah, keeps yeah. guys together, and that's what a great head coach does. He hires good people around him, and that's the one negative mark is – what happened with his son and hopefully uh, he has a chance to correct that um, even against his will, but you're absolutely right. Tremendous. He should be considered for coach of the year along with the kid from or the guy from Northwestern. Down the stretch in seasons too. I mean, they, they, I think you saw this too, Corey, they've lost one November game in what yeah. five years. I think they're 17 and one in the last five Novembers or something like that. Yeah. I think that's part right. of that. Part of that. Let's just acknowledge part of that is they play Nebraska every November. <laughs> trash and they have traditionally played minnesota every year but minnesota's a good program they've done yeah, minnesota's been fine Iowa. Yeah. nebraska's trash and they usually play illinois late and nebraska and illinois is usually trash yeah. well <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to see i hope kirk comes back i'd really like to see him compete in the new big 10 and and prove that uh you know an old school guy can get it done against the flashy offenses that we're getting i mean nothing i love more than to see kirk go into southern california and 
and run those guys out of their off their field like we did in the Holiday Bowl. It's a good time. So it'd be a, it'd be a career defining win if you won this week. I think. Yeah. And a great time to go out potentially. It'd be, I, mean, I think it'd be the don't biggest that, best one of his career. I think Kirk. I, I mean, you could have said that when he went uh, twelve and zero and went to the Rose Bowl in two thousand fifteen, but I, I honestly don't think there's anything he'd rather be doing. So I don't yeah, know that he would have wanted to finish on Christian McCaffrey giving him three hundred yards and four touchdowns. <laughs> fair, true. Well, guys, I'll let you go. Uh, okay. Good Thanks, show. Mike. Go Hawks. Appreciate it, sir. Go Hawks. Thank and, you. Yeah, they don't normally play a real tough schedule in November. But you you're right. They they've played they they've, they've beaten who's in front of them. Yeah, and, and Minnesota is one of those teams they traditionally have played late and that's a good program and they they have dominated them. Kirk uh, Wilcox can can Tory Taylor pass fake punt, fake field goal both. LOL. Well, he's an Australian punter. He's made the comment in the past he can't really pass, but I'm sure he's gotten better. Uh, remember the fake punt against Ohio State where he kind of innovated himself and got lit up. Um, I don't, I think that's, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be the wrinkle I'd be looking for. Yeah. Uh, I want to say, so, you know, one wrinkle you could look at is, you know, the problem is remember at one time we were talking about Cooper, maybe being a holder that would have opened up some wrinkles. Of course, he's not healthy now anyways, but Tory Taylor's your holder and your punter. Remember Colton Rastetter was sort of the guy to, you know, be the innovator. And or at least execute the innovation, if you will. So, uh, thank you for the super, Kirk. I don't know that it'll come from Tory. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the fake punts though can be snapped to the blockers too. So I don't know who's who the punt blockers are, but if those guys are capable. Yeah, so the interesting thing about what we saw from 2017 to 2019 is just a lot of unique stuff. Like I didn't bring it up. I, I brought it up earlier. 2017 at Michigan State, Rastetter had a misdirection pass over the shoulder to AJ Epinesa for a first down. 2017 against Ohio State at home. You had the polecat. Tyler Kluver catches the pass from Rastetter. Yeah. Also, let's see, 2018 against Minnesota. You had the left-handed scoop to TJ Hawkinson, who ran end around for a touchdown yeah. at Minnesota. You had the, at Penn State in 2018. You had the pass to uh, Sam Brinks over the shoulder. <laughs> touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Ran a lot of stuff. 2015, they ran a fake punt, uh, fake field goal against Iowa State. Got the first down, did not get to the end zone. Unfortunately, it was kind of a weird call because the clock ran out. But my point is they just they were willing during that stretch of time to to do innovative things on special teams. I can't imagine that they've just stopped doing it because it's not there to be done. But I, I don't know. Uh, Erica with a super chat. Uh, I think Castro could be very important in this game. Absolutely. He might be Iowa's best DB right now. Um, he is, I think. And he's. I think he's elevated his draft stock tremendously the last few weeks. I mean, I, ever since that Wisconsin game, I think he's been fantastic. Um, Corey Bratta, did you hear Michigan is trying to bring in Iowa's running back for next season? Um, who, who is that? Uh, no, I, I did not hear that. Um, you'll have to explain. I doubt that personally, but um, well, maybe it's a third stringer. I don't know. <laughs> I was pretty set at running back. Uh, I would be surprised if they keep all of these guys heading into next year, but. I wouldn't think it would be Michigan that would that would take one of the three of them, but we'll see. But I would also be surprised uh, if. Well, I think he was saying he's saying that I was looking at bringing in one of Michigan's running. Oh, back. okay, yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, Matt says trick plays don't always pay off. You have to spend valuable practice time setting things up, and if they blow up, 
you might give Michigan great field position. Got to take calculated risks. Well, of course, Matt. Nobody's saying you just run a trick play every time you're out there, but they have not ran a trick play since that I can recall since at least 2019. Maybe they've run. They tried to, you know, Torrey Taylor inadvertently tried to run a fake punt a year ago against Ohio State. But I can't imagine that all this time they have not been able to do anything. Um, it's not been there to be be done. I don't know why they've abandoned it. Or that they haven't practiced them in that long, too. That would also be strange. Trick plays are a part of the game. Talk, talk to Don Patterson, whether you call him a trick player, maybe an exotic on offense. How many teams do you see, Kyle, running flea flickers? For some teams, it's a weekly occurrence. Yeah, and when's the last time you've seen Iowa run a flea flicker? <laughs> 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 you die, you're scratching my memory right here. I don't know. It's been a long time. BH with the Super Chat. OSU also had a lot of penalties in the 2017 game holding. Bosa got ejected for targeting. Iowa was plus four in turnovers. The offense was uh, different. Yeah, and uh, again, you probably need to be plus, at least plus two or three in turnovers against Michigan. It'd be nice if Michigan would commit some penalties. Maybe uh, trying to think who needs to get ejected. <laughs> Somebody gets ejected. Um, but uh, obviously the offense needs to hold up some level of the bargain. William says, uh, Corey, any chance Beth strikes names off of Kirk's OC list? Only if that OC is named Steve Ferentz. That's what I would say. Or Mary Ferentz. I don't think she's going to allow Kirk to hire Mary. Uh, Joseph says, do you think we will punt as often or will we play like we have nothing to lose? I want to make something clear. Me saying Iowa needs to take risks and not even risks, but run exotics take shots, break tendency, does not necessarily mean going for it on fourth down a lot. I'm all for punting on fourth down more often than not. But again, second and one is an example. Take. We're, we're referencing uh, offensive exotics. We're not necessarily refer- referencing a ton of fourth down trick plays. That's not, that's yeah. not necessarily the spot to be taking your shots. Right. Um, and Nathan says, a question, when Kirk was with Baltimore, what was his position as a coach? Head coach, was he offensive coach who called the plays? He was a line coach. He didn't call plays at, at Baltimore. So uh, now he was head coach at Maine, but he's not a play caller, and he's admitted such in the past. Uh, Casey says, Corey, someone asked me who uh, is Iowa's MVP. Tory Taylor is my pick. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he'd be my pick, and he's mo- Iowa's most indispensable player at this point as well. Would you rather lose Deacon Hill or Tory Taylor, Kyle? Deacon Hill. I'd rather. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to say what I was thinking, but. Um... I, I well, say you don't say what were you going to say? Well, I'll say a milder version of it may not be a net negative if Deacon Hill. <laughs> you're going to say I want to lose Deacon Hill. That's, <laughs> you aren't saying that. I get what you're saying. Like, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, if Marco Linus was forced to come into the game, I wouldn't be crying. But that's not what we want. I don't want Marco no. Linus to be forced into a bad position. No. What I want is for them to utilize him in places by choice. And- Yes. Yeah, and keep Michigan on their yeah. toes. That's called proactive coaching, right? Am I yes. wrong on that? They they should have they should have at least six or seven plays for Marco Linez this weekend. There's no yeah. doubt about it. They, they won't. won't. They won't. But they should. Uh, Gregory wants to know. Uh, I think we've got him in our queue as well. He's about to jump in, but he says if Kate is coming back, uh, Deacon back, where do Linez and the new kid Resar fit in? If if uh, at all three years, until three years down there. Well, first of all, uh, my guess is Labus leaves. It's my guess. I don't know that, but my guess is Labus leaves. Marco will be a redshirt freshman next year. So I would think he's going to stick around. I don't see any reason why. Well, he's, you know, Cade's coming back. He's, he's going to leave. 
Deacon is not the future. Okay. I just, Deacon is not the future. I'm pretty confident in saying that. I think the future is Marco Linez. I've been saying that for a long time. I'll say it again. Kate is going to come back and probably win the job. It should be an open competition next year. I want to see a competition between Cade, Marco, Deacon, and well, we'll have James Reesar in next year. That's what I want. Uh, what's the what would you say is the comparison between uh, Linez and Reesar as far as recruiting? Like what what's your what's your breakdown of those two as far as who you think is going to turn out better? Well, I've been higher on Marco for a long time, but James is very mobile for his size, bigger body. Um, is he six four, six five, six four? I was gonna say, yeah, I think six four, yeah, somewhere in there. Um, okay. since I've looked at his tape, but he is he is a mobile guy for his size, very athletic. Uh, there's even been talk, you know, does he end up being a quarterback at Iowa? I think he probably will be, but Marco, I'm telling you, Marco has speed and mobility that people don't realize, and. I can tell you he has demonstrated that he was demonstrating a lot of that in, in fall camp. And, you know, I, I don't know that I was real comfortable with the idea of giving a, a true freshman the ball in this situation. But again, if you're throwing the kitchen sink at a team, what's the harm in bringing a guy in for a couple of plays here or there? So I hope if, that- if it goes badly too, it's experience for him down the road, let him get in a game against a great defense. Connor Cox with the super chat. I think MSU biggest championship game. Um, what does that mean? I don't know if he's referencing 2015 or. Uh, well, that was bigger, sure, because that was a play-in game for the uh, playoff. I mean, they win that it's game. A play-in game for the right to get beat by Alabama 31-0. <laughs> Let's be honest. What's going to happen if Iowa goes to the playoff this year? Worse than 31-0. Um. Brandon wants to know about Caleb Brown being absent. He's been dinged up. Uh, we'll see if he's back this week, but uh, they need him. They need him against um, against Michi- uh, Michigan on Saturday. Uh, Michael says, I think it's realistic for Iowa to win eight games next year and be in sixth to seventh place in the Big Ten. Well, sure, uh, with the conference being as big as it is and with the quality of teams at the top. T. Hink, 13 years is the last time we saw an Iowa flea flicker. That can't be true. Uh, I, <laughs> I hope it, I hope it's not true. No, because I'm pretty sure they – I think I remember a flea flicker. I do remember a flea flicker in 2014, I think. Was it Iowa Northwestern in 2014? They may have ran one. I thought uh, Damon Powell. Is it Damon Powell? I have that name right? Um, I think he ran a uh, – they ran a flea flicker for him, I think, in either 2013 or 2014. But uh, I'm, uh, I'm seeing – let's see. I'm trying – I just – Googled Iowa Flea Flicker. It looks like they had one against Miami, Ohio in 20, what says seven years ago. So 20, that'd be 2015, 2016. CJ Beathard was a quarterback. So one of those two years. Yeah, they ran some with, they, yeah. they ran one or two with CJ, but I don't know since Brian if we've seen one. I don't know. Maybe we saw one early with, with Nate Stanley, but, um, and Greg, Gregory says that we have one in, in 2017 against, I, I don't think so. No, there wasn't. Always. No. So. There was, um, I mean, the, the flea flicker too. I mean, it seems to me to be of, of trick plays that you could run if you're going to run some kind of big exotic. A flea flicker is not incredibly hard to execute, is it? I mean, it's, well, it's your, line has to, your line has to hold up. Your line, that's, the, that's the biggest component. That's the next thing I was going to say. Your line has to hold, but it's it's a handoff and a toss and then a throw. And if the, right. if the read's not there, then don't throw the ball. But like you would think that would be one that, I mean, you don't need to practice it for 10 hours to pull it off. Uh, Connor Cox, Big Ten. 
Yes, Big Ten Championship game 2015, Iowa-Michigan State. Yeah, that was the biggest game of my lifetime that I can remember as an Iowa fan. Um, 2021 against Penn State was big in that moment because it was, what, two versus three or whatever. But, you know, in reality, Iowa was not one of the two or three best teams in the country. It was four versus five, I think. Yeah. Um, Let's go to our what might be our final caller of the night. Gregory is on the phone line. Greg, welcome to the show, sir. Hey, Corey. Appreciate you taking the call. Absolutely. Good to um, see you. Love everything you guys do. And uh, I am here in uh, southern Alabama um, rooting, Sorry, for, rooting for Georgia. Absolutely. Um, again, I, I, went to, I went to Roosevelt High School in Des Moines. Okay. And the, mil- the military brought me down here to Alabama. Um, so long time. How do you time. like southern Alabama? Do you um, like I, I, I like being able to check my mail on Christmas in my shorts. That That is nice. <laughs> um, That's the one thing I envy about it. Absolutely. Yeah, um, I was I was actually at the, uh, um, I think, was it the 82 game that sent Iowa to the Rose Bowl with uh, Gordy Bohannon, I think, um, against Michigan State. Um, but anyway, um my concern or thoughts are stereotypically is we get quarterbacks from season to season. And just because of the fact that they were there, it seems as though, yeah, there may be an open competition, but is there really an open competition? Um, I guess I, I want to see um, the new guys have a legit shot. I, I want to see Linez get a shot, you know, next yeah. year with the. Uh, I'm sorry. What just happened with the confetti? <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering if I was the only one that saw that. No, I saw it too. I, <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't do anything. I'm, I don't know what's <laughs> happening. Did not know what's happening. I'm sorry. I. I yeah. Didn't mean to crack up in the middle of your comment, but uh, <laughs> um, I have no idea what that yeah. was. I just I want the young kids to get a chance, um, and yeah. I um, I don't know if if the offensive coordinator, whomever that might be, hopefully will have some sort of a competition, and that Kirk might let that person hey have an open competition, regardless. Yeah, Deacon has been here; he's comfortable with it. Well. The only way you're going to get comfortable is if you get the chance to get comfortable. So I, you know, I hope, I hope it's not just a situation where he's done it before he's automatically the the next guy in. But um, I mean, the, the, there should be open competition each and every year and each and every week. Frankly, um, these yeah. guys should be able to compete. And it, it sounds like Marco Linez has jumped Joe Labus. So that's an indication of where Marco is as a true freshman jumping and he did not enroll early. He just got there in the summer. Right. So man, I just, you cannot convince me. You cannot convince me that Marco, I haven't even seen the kid practice. I've seen him in the open practice, but you cannot convince me that he couldn't come in and give them something. Yep. If if they schemed for him and they had to be a couple of plays, two, three, four plays ready for Marco Linus, he could handle three or four plays. And, you know, boy, you give him experience. You're throwing a wrinkle that Michigan's not expecting, and you're bringing another athlete on the, on the field. I mean, all, oh, you have, is- all you have to do is give him some of those um, rollouts with the tight end, 
and give them the option of either running or throwing. And that's be simple. Yeah, that's true. It'd be a simple way to start him on naked. Yeah, absolutely. There'd be, there's ways that you can get him involved. Um, and like I said, his ability to move is very yeah. much, I think, under underrated, underappreciated so far. And this is, this is why Corey pounds the drum every year when we play those non-conference opponents and we get to the fourth quarter and we're up two scores. Like, why is he not in the game? I mean, even if, even if the starter is Cade McNamara, like number one, why is Cade finishing the game for injury? But number two, why not give somebody a shot so that if a situation like this happens down the road, he's got a couple series under his belt at Kinnick Stadium. Correct. Yeah. And I mean, they were up 22-0 against Rutgers a couple of weeks ago and could have thrown them in. Could have thrown them in. It also has been interesting um, as I get the Alabama games every week down here to follow Caden Proctor's career. He's still playing. He's just starting left tackle. That's yes. incredible. In the early part of the season, he was struggling a little bit. Um, so first two games, he was starting. The third game, I think, th- they put another guy in his spot for a few games. But he's back out there now. And uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, I- I'm proud that they're giving him a chance to grow. You know, there's a part of me that was hoping they won't start him so that Maybe he would think, gosh, you know, maybe home would be a good place to go. But, um, yeah. Well, don't think that's going to happen anytime soon unless, barring something, you know, where he's just homesick. But my understanding is the family moved down there, and uh, yeah, my guess is that they're being compensated favorably. What would the uh, reception be after everything that happened if he did come back? Well, he ought to be welcomed with, with open arms. But uh, uh, I, I know he should be, but I don't know that Iowa Twitter would necessarily do that. <laughs> Oh, I think they'd be forgiving. It's all they're all about what's what's in it for me. And if they know a, a former five stars transferring to Iowa, they're gonna welcome with open arms. So have there know. been any have there been any further hints or anything that would lead anyone to say where we're going from the from the coordinator standpoint, offensively speaking for next year? Well, we talked a little bit about that earlier, just that, that okay. apparently Iowa has contacted Andy Ludwig at Utah. That's been reported. Tom Caker to HawkeyeReport.com said that in the show. Um, and, you know, I just threw a couple of names out earlier. We're going to be able to really delve into that topic once the season's over, especially in the month of December, uh, Greg, because uh, a lot of a lot of names out there that are worth bringing up. I mean, whether you talk about Ryan Grubb or you talk about Frank Reich or, um, heck, you talk about Joe Moorhead or even um, – trying to think Randy Hedberg would be, you know, you could, depending on how innovative Kirk wants to be with the hiring process and, you know, maybe he wants to help advance. Honestly, we don't want him to have an agenda as it relates to just advancing people's careers, but you have to think he thinks highly of Liddell Betts. Maybe Kirk says to himself, Hey, he's ready to be running backs coordinator. I can help him along by bringing in a guy like Hedberg or a guy like Reich. You can coach the offense, the passing offense quarterbacks, and then, leave the run game to Liddell. Maybe, maybe that happens, but right, there's right. different possibilities. I, you know, then there's a possibility that he just hires John Budmeyer or Paul Christ and goes the safe route. Yep. Yep. Which by the way, I don't think John Budmeyer is a safe route. I want to make that clear. He's not proven anything. Right, Paul Christ right. is probably more of a safe route. John Budmeyer not proven anything. Yeah. yeah. Of, of those two, I would rather have Christ. If, if those were the two I could select from, I'd well, take Christ. Well, this remember Bud Meyer was a quarterbacks coach under Paul Christ as the head coach. So yeah, I mean, doesn't necessarily tell the whole story, but you right. know, Bud Meyer has one year of OC experience and it was not necessarily good experience at Colorado State. 
Cool. Awesome to watch the the site the Cyclone Hawkeye wrestling match um, yesterday too. That was fun. I uh, I enjoy that. I always that's, they they got it done. That's that's my um, uh, Alabama has X national titles, but we have twenty four. That's that's what I spout down here in Alabama. But uh, yeah, uh, there's nothing like Iowa wrestling. That's for sure. No. I appreciate you, Corey and uh, Don, and all those guys that come on, and Tom. So I'm looking forward to uh, to, to Saturday, and uh, you know, I hope uh, I hope we do better than everybody thinks we're going to. Well, I appreciate the call, call sir, and uh, we'll talk to you Saturday. Take care. Thank you, sir. All right. Um, I think we got it. Want to make a final shout out here? If there's one final. Um, call for the phone line if anybody wants to make a last second call in 515-635-1601 that's 515-635-1601 and um, again if you want to ask a question make a comment about the game we're going to be back throughout the week talking about this game so don't go anywhere make sure you're subscribed turn notifications on i do want to take a moment to give a shout out to our sponsor, Ascent Nutrition, if you haven't checked out their website, I've been touting this website for a long, long time because they've got great products that can help a variety of ways, whether we're talking about their mushroom powders, maybe their Ascent uh, coffee, it's organic, it's mold and mycotoxin free. But I've been mentioning this lion's mane mushroom specifically because it's been shown to support brain health, immune uh, system health, stress response, all these things that we deal with, we need on a regular basis. Read all about the benefits of lion's mane mushroom, specifically a sense lion's mane mu mushroom and how it can help your brain, your focus on a day-to-day -day basis. You can mix it into yogurts, smoothies, juices, cereals. This company, folks, is owned by a former Hawkeye, a guy who uh, really built his business, his foundation on the University of Iowa and what he learned uh, here in the state of Iowa. He now operates this company that's just changing people's lives read all about the benefits visit goascentnutrition.com i'll click on the home page here so everybody can see this they've got a cyber monday deal going on right now through tomorrow 25 percent off site wide okay so we have an ongoing thing with ascent nutrition where you get 15 percent off with our code but right now if you buy through tomorrow through tomorrow you'll get 25 percent off Get on here and try some of this stuff out, folks, specifically the mushroom powder. But, man, their coffee is really, really good. You can shop by category. Uh, and, again, here's a picture of their coffee. It is great stuff, folks. It's pure tasting. It's pure for your body. And it does not contain all the, contain all the harmful stuff that some of your store-bought coffees do. Go to GoAscentNutrition.com for more information. All right. Um, I don't see anything else in the chat. The plan right now is to be back tomorrow. Um, Casey says, any more hangouts this week? Probably. More to come. It'll probably be either Wednesday or Thursday if that happens, Casey. So hang tight, and um, we'll be able to, I'll be able to answer that question here later in the week. I can tell you we'll have a show with Mark Rogers, the voice of college football, tomorrow, Tuesday afternoon, 4.30 p.m. Central Time. We'll also hear from uh, Don Patterson at some point this week. So lots of stuff coming. The Iowa show, of course, is over at the Voice of College Football, Iowa football at the Voice of College Football um, on Tuesday at 4.30. And then, of course, Mark does a, a watch party for the playoff rankings, which will also be released tomorrow night. And he'll do that on his main channel. If you're interested in sponsoring the show, reach out to me. Um, 
I know people reach out to me for a variety of things, but sponsorship is primary reason. I post this email out here from the eye of the storm at outlook.com. That's from the eye of the storm at outlook.com. You can sponsor any facet of the show. We have lots of post game coverage still coming for basketball, men's and women's basketball. And if you're interested in donating to the show, there are links to do so in our description. And how about this? Uh, support the show by signing up for a free trial of Aura. All right. There is a link in our description. Protect your business, protect your identity, protect your information, and read all about how they can help you do this. Go to Aura.com slash Hawkeyes. And when you're filling out the form, be sure to let them know, hey, I, I got this link from, from the Hawkeye of the Storm on YouTube. Aura.com slash Hawkeyes. That's A-U-R-A.com slash Hawkeyes. Click the link in the description below. And uh, as you sign up for free trials, you're supporting the the show and the work being done here at From the Hawkeye of the Storm. Well, Kyle, appreciate you jumping on here for a while, hanging out uh, as we do here. Hawkeye Hangout from the Hawkeye of the Storm. We'll uh, probably see you back here later this week. Um, We've got a basketball game Wednesday and uh, live shows basically every day. And then obviously a a big day Saturday of uh, women's basketball and then uh, the game, the Big Ten Championship game in the evening. So we'll look forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be a long, fun week before we get some time to to rest a little bit. Absolutely. This is the long haul. We're in for the long haul this week, and then we're kind of kind of a final shot from the barrel, and then we're we're, uh, we're resting as far as football is concerned. So we'll be here um, full go for the next few days. Appreciate everybody being here. Hawkeye Hangout from the Hawkeye of the Storm. For Kyle and Corey, uh, thank you for being here. Please remember to like on the way out, like the video, support our sponsors. We'll talk to you next time.